Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is October the 25th of 2023, the last Wednesday of October, which means it's Halloween. That's how this works. Uh. What, what, do you have something to add? Oh, oh no, I, I wouldn't want to say, I didn't want to interrupt. I was just suggesting that's correct. Oh, great. I don't think we've. I don't think we've been introduced. My name is Gokro. <laughs> My dad's dead. <laughs> um, and uh, I have a sister. And we're not related by blood. Okay. Ah. <laughs> um. I feel like this is kind of awkward because I feel like I'm dressed as like the superior version of you. Uh. What do you is, mean? Uh, I've never read Bleach before. Not that I know what it is. I don't know what you are. <laughs> you don't, rec- don't recognize me. I've never seen you before in my life. Okay. Well, um, I'm, I'm glad that to know that you have a sister that's not related to you by blood. It's hot. I'm, and I'm glad to know that you feel that way. Uh... <laughs> I don't say it. Other people do. Everyone around me. Everyone's always seeing my sister. And I'm like, not my sister related by blood. And they're like, that's hot. Sometimes I walk in and get groceries. And I forget all my... I I drop all the eggs, but I still buy them anyway. All I really needed was the shell. And then I go up to the cashier and they're like, do you have a sister that's not related to you by blood? I'm like, I do. And they say, that's hot. And then they slap me usually. And I accept it. That's what I deserve. Wait, so the, the, they're so turned on by the thought of you having a sister that's not related to you by blood that they decide to express it by getting violent with you. I think they're impressed that I have a sister who's attractive, who's not related by blood, and then they kind of realize who I am, and they just get really angry. They get really upset with my existence. And I don't blame them. I... I have to talk about a cat manga with someone today. <laughs> I've read it. I read every part of it. It's going to be great. Oh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> this side of a side of Gakuro I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> wow. Sometimes Gakuro can turn turn it down a little bit. He'll turn it oh, back up when he needs to. <laughs> oh. Also, this voice can only go so long. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a Haloichigo impression at all. Now, I can't do it. It is worth it is worth noting that I did a uh, bonus or not a bonus podcast, a credits episode for Dice Funk recently. Mm. As and I, I I did it last year as well as the Spookmaster General. But like last year, I started the bit and then kind of stopped it. This time, Little Day joined me and also did a creepy voice. And it kind of became like a, a mutual pact we were stuck in that neither of us would drop the voice for the full well, like well, hour plus podcast. So it was like it was either like a, a pact where you each held each other to doing the bit all the way through or it was a game of chicken. It, it was a little of both. It was kind of like if I'm not going to drop it, then you're not going to drop it. So I'm not going to drop it. 
Well, unfortunately for me, uh, this is stuff that I can't just like you know just get rid of. Like I have to like go and apply like a solvent to in order to get <laughs> off my fucking face. Yeah, there's there's a solution that has to go <laughs> into your uh, costume. I can rip this stupid thing off if I want. Yeah, aren't you lucky? <laughs> I would. <laughs> I didn't realize, like, oh, yeah, because Gakuro's just in his uniform all the time. How? I was <laughs> like, this is really easy. I, I just searched for green spiky wig, and then I bought a shirt that I'm going to give to Austin afterwards. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, it's Halloween spooky time, guys. And the scariest thing of all is we don't have that many manga chapters to discuss today, but we do have a uh, series that we've been reading over the last couple of weeks that is spooky themed. Uh, it is called The Walking Cat, or it's got like a full title in the English uh, localization, I believe, uh, which I don't know off the top of my head. It's like a, a cat's eye view of the... Uh, a cat's eye view of the zombie apocalypse. Uh, so a, f- a it's a three volume long series, kind of short. Uh, and I thought it was actually going to be a very quick read uh, when I saw it. And a lot of it is. But mm-hmm. once you get about a third of the way through, suddenly it does become a lot more story oriented uh, and uh, it it does start off as just like, tales of just a cat this is what happens if you put a cat in apocalypse zombie apocalypse that's it just little tidbits from how it deals with things uh how it interacts with people how it just kind of keeps on being a cat Mm -hmm. even in the face of the zombie apocalypse uh but then it from there it develops into not just like oh this is the story of this cat it is the story of how this cat influences and affects three different human protagonists uh, through the course of the story. Uh, and at first it seems like it's just going to be little adventures with this one guy, but then it turns into, okay, yeah, there were some adventures with that guy. And then what happens, what happens? Uh, and then it's uh, hanging out with a girl in this one shelter where there are some, where they're safe from the zombies, at least temporarily. And then the cat is uh, estranged from her uh, when uh, an outbreak happens and instead goes along with one of the kids who survives that outbreak, uh, who feels like indebted to her and decides that he needs to reunite the cat with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's about what those three people go through while our hero, Yuki, the little mm-hmm. white kitty, just keeps on going and does not ever really seem to grasp the danger that it is constantly in. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, it, the, this cat is uh, both very relaxed, as you would assume a cat would be during the zombie apocalypse, and also, like, comically, like, combat-ready. Uh, Nick, uh, th- this is a good way for me to connect to Gakuro. Here's an embarrassing thing that I did as a child. Okay. I remember writing, a, a, like, a spooky ghost story uh, as a child, and I really like cats. I liked my cat, so my mm. character in the story had a cat that they brought along with them. And when the ghost attacked them once, I had my character let the cat out of their cat carrier, and the cat attacked and fought the ghost off. Oh yeah! I'm like, this is this is a little silly. Like, why would a cat? <laughs> They're not like an attack dog, but whatever. Uh, that is essentially 
what this cat does, like someone will come at the owner and this cat's like, I don't trust you one one fucking second. And, they, and they'll immediately start like, it'll start like karate chopping eyeballs. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like it'll, it'll fucking like immediately like roundhouse a zombie in the throat to be like, get out of here. And I'm like, this is, this is crazy. This is a very aggressive cat. Like in all of the situations where you would want it to be a, a protector, it really rises to the occasion. Because usually, of course, you know, a cat's like fight people. Uh, it's either like because they're being specifically attacked and they go turn into a crazy ball yeah. of, of fur and claws and just wind their eyes around every which way and slash at everything. Or they'll make like they're going to do that and they're just going to go... <laughs> Like, oh, I'll mess you up. Yeah. I'll mess you don't up. Don't come up. Don't come any closer. Uh, and it, if you take one step towards them, they run away. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is worth noting this is a stray cat. Uh, it, it, you know, bonds with people and travels along. But its its origin before that was a stray cat. So usually strays have a little bit. Like, they've been into fights. So there is something mm-hmm. there. Like, there there would maybe be a difference from your, like, cat that, like, that you've owned since a kitten that's just lived indoors its entire life. Maybe that one won't be as combat ready. But... Uh, right. It, it is a little amusing how much this cat's uh, great at a throwdown the second one starts. Uh, and it's. It is. For the most part, it feels like just kind of like little charming things of like, oh, look at this cat. He, he's he's doing fine. He's doing great, even, even in the face of all this. But. It does become much more a story of like, I mean, this, this is a zombie apocalypse that is happening. And it's not about like, oh, what happened? Oh, how are we going to solve this? It is about the little people who are caught in this situation and how they deal with the world collapsing and going to shit to hell around them uh, and trying to just make their way through that horrible thing that's happening. And each of our three heroes in some way really, really benefits from having Yuki around uh, really just to kind of like to kind of ground them and give mm-hmm. them something to like hold on to. That's not just like, I need to survive. It's like, no, I, I need to, I, this is like kind of that thing that's keeping them human, giving them something yeah. small to focus on so that they don't collapse in the face of the much bigger thing that they're trying to accomplish, which is surviving in this unsurvivable world. Yeah, uh, I I think there's uh, a fun dichotomy that kind of exists in there because you do get the start of this series, which is very much like a simple like, what if we had to, you know, do this in a zombie apocalypse, but you had a cat or like, you know, here's a cat thing that would happen to zombie apocalypse. How would you handle it? Like, oh, I I was kind of mean to the cat. Now he's going to vomit on my backpack. Like, get out. Oh, stop that. <laughs> And then later on, it's like it's like uh, I just witnessed a horrific uh, act of humanity, and now I'm going to return home to my cat for comfort, <laughs> which are both really the dichotomy of owning a cat. <laughs> like there's <laughs> there's quite a lot of times where I'm just like, oh my god, you are an infuriating piece of my life, and then there's another part that's like, without you, I would crumble into dust. Right. Uh, I think that it's kind of hard hard to actually talk about the series in full without discussing spoilers because it's Mm -hmm. a zombie apocalypse manga uh so i will just say that if you like cats and you can you're okay if you're okay with zombie stuff then you should give this a try if you're like no zombies freak me out and it's like well there's zombies in it i i like if you like cats 
read this box. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will clarify because this is a concern I had going into it that the even though this is a zombie apocalypse sort of series, uh, the cat is never like in danger. Like you're never gonna have to be like, I swear to fucking god, if something happens to this motherfucking cat, series is forty chapters long. The cat's fine at the end of it. <laughs> like let me yes. just state that. Um, and that also does help to kind of establish the tone that this is not like the most bleak sort of uh, zombie apocalypse series uh, that's out there. You know, this is definitely one that's going to be uh, digestible. I think this would this would be relatively PG-13, you know, if you were to make this into a movie. So I think that does help to establish what kind of tone and what to sort of expect when you're going into this, because you never know. Some zombie apocalypses are horrendous you know you're like oh this is this is worse than anything else you know Mm -hmm. uh yeah there are a couple of situations where you're like oh no yuki but it's like he's fine yeah he's he's fine (laughs) he gets to the end of the series just fine yeah there was a moment where it was like oh my god i think the cat's dead and i was like there's another 12 page or 12 chapters of this i don't think that cat's dead uh so i guess just kind of go through quickly the uh the, the three different characters first one is gene he is like the one like adult character that we follow his big thing is that he's been separated from his wife during all of this he's trying to find his way to her uh and makoto he, is it uh her name is uh satoko, satoko. uh and uh so he I kind of thought that the series was going to be basically just bits like he has with mm-hmm. with with Yuki, which is he meets someone, has a little interaction with them and moves on. You know, like they interact with Yuki in some way and maybe they run into a situation with some zombies. They get away and they and they they, they just go on uh, just little little snippets happen. And that is the way things go for most of his run uh, as the deuteragonist because <laughs> yuki's the protagonist yeah we're here for that cat we're cat. here for that good ass cat nick uh and uh you know like he he runs into like a a guy who is in like who who works as like a lab technician and they get attacked by zombies and the cat and yuki leads them out onto you know these this very dangerous outside path up the side of the building, so they get can get to the safety. And he's really just doing it because he's a cat and he's just wandering around. You know, uh, they meet some kids and stuff, uh, but the whole time, Gene is trying to make his way to his wife, who uh, he learns has found her way to this safe haven on an island uh, off the coast of mainland Japan. So he's uh, goes to the to the docks to get a boat so that he can row his way out there to safety. But as he's going, uh, the backpack that he's keeping Yuki in, gets taken off of him. And uh, he's like, I can make it. I can make it to that boat and I'll outrun the zombies and I'll be fine. But Yuki's there. And he's like, I'm not letting this fucking cat go. Can't let the cat go. Uh, He goes back and he saves Yuki and he ends up getting pit. Uh, and I was like, how dare you? Uh, I was in such a depressed mood when I was reading this. And I remember just saying, like, why the fuck am I reading this stupid fucking thing? It's going to make me fucking feel bad. Uh, cause it's very heartbreaking. Uh, there's like an extra layer of like added twist that like, had he kept going, 
he would have re- reunited with his wife like yeah it, it was like he just misses her kind of thing and instead he he's gonna turn into a zombie and it's like yeah. no it's very sad so yeah i was uh, oh <laughs> cat dad's dying oh my cat dad <laughs> Uh, so he instead leaves Yuki on the beach of the island and pushes himself back out off to sea before he fully turns into a zombie so he doesn't endanger anyone. Uh, and Yuki instead comes across this teenage girl named Kaoru who ends up taking him in uh, and he lives with her on this island shelter where people are safe. There's a bunch of stuff that like is alluded to in a few different ways, like the politics of the of the leadership of the community gets brought up a lot, and it's really, but it's it's, it's, it's so, so irrelevant. It's it really is is, and it really just comes across as like okay, so this would have just been like the human villain of the zombie movie in a couple of cases, just a straightforward bad guy who's yeah. like we can't let people over here. <laughs> yeah, there's like an entire elaborate thing kind of like alluded to several times throughout the sequence on the island, which is like yes, there's like whole rules and all these negotiations. And Kaoru's like, I want to leave the island, but I also want to become strong enough to join, like, the hunting teams Mm -hmm. so I can be, like, kind of respected. And there's all these elements that just aren't relevant because we we leave the island before any of them really come to fruition. There's, like, a character called, like, the Master or something like that, I think they just call him. And he's, like, wants to be friends with the cat, and there's, like, a leader of the village and... Yeah, like all these things, like these characters exist, but it's it's it, it's not something we spend a ton of time with. Yeah, we the spend a lot more time with Yuki, which is a positive in my book. Mm-hmm. The only characters that really matter in that sequence are uh, the master because he loves cats. He mm-hmm. loves he's this you know this really hard grizzled guy, but he loves cats so much, and he just wants to snuggle Yuki. And of course, in typical cat fashion. The more affectionate you try to be towards them, the more they're like, no, nah, not into that. Get, get yeah. out of here. I don't trust yeah. you. You have to there's stop. Like, there's like a bonus uh, uh, seek, uh, story at one point where they're like, why don't you just like let Yuki come to you? And so he instead like holds very still. And of course, Yuki gets in his lap. He's like, yay! He picks him up and like snuggles his face into him. And Yuki's like, no! She pushes off. Inver- inversely, later on, they have like a group of characters who are all like, oh, I love this cat, I love this cat. And then there's one person's like, I fucking hate this cat. And of course, that's who Yuki wants to spend yeah, time with. He's one. like, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I want to hang out with you. Obviously, this is a story by a cat owner. Yeah. Like, there's no way. There's a lot that you're like, yeah, this I've experienced this exact situation with my cat. Hmm. The pettiness, like, I made a reference to it, but there is, like, a thing where he, he says something that annoys Yuki in some way, and Yuki responds by going over to his backpack to vomit. He's like, no, don't vomit <laughs> in my backpack. And he moves it, and the cat just gives him a glare and stops vomiting. <laughs> like, I, I, I didn't need to throw up. I just wanted you to know that I don't like you. <laughs> uh... There's a guy that's at the in the community named Billy, uh, who is this like medical student uh, who is a few years older than Cower, and she is crushing on him like crazy. Uh-huh. Uh, and then there is Kaoru's. Oh, and I should say, uh, Satoko is on the island. Yes, like she made it there safely. There is a 
bizarrely semi heartbreaking and also inspiring moment that she gets where they like come across uh Jean's like backpack like they come across the boat uh that he you know took off back off on but they don't find his body and she sees his wallet and stuff and realizes that oh he's you know been bitten by a zombie but she's she starts crying and starts to fall apart but then she's like I don't believe it yeah I'm not gonna believe it until I actually see his body I'm I, I'm not going to believe that he's gone uh and it's like hell yeah yeah, yeah, keep keep gotta keep the hope alive. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing that's going on in, in this sequence is Kaur's relationship with her mother, who uh like was in an, an abusive relationship with Kaoru's dad, and is now in a new abusive relationship. And like one of Kaoru's big drives is I don't want to end up like my mother does. I want to be strong, I want to be able to take care of myself, and I want to be able to not be controlled and abused by anyone. This is the real content warning of this series, by the way, is that there is like some really, really harsh uh, depictions of like what goes on in some abusive relationships. And it's mm, not not fun. Uh, and it's viewed from the outside, of course, mm -hmm. because it's from through Kauru's eyes. But uh, that was definitely the most uncomfortable stuff way beyond any normal zombie stuff that happens in this series, yeah. I felt. That's that's by far the darkest the series really gets. Um, and in a nice turn of events, uh, Kaoru and Billy are able to get proof that the guy is violent, uh, because he ends up attacking Kaoru, he ends up attacking Billy when he comes to defend her, and, uh, they use Billy's injuries to prove that he's been, you know, attacking people, and they're like, okay, get out. <laughs> they yeah. cast him out of the middle of their community so he'll be eaten by zombies it's like good fuck that guy <laughs> yeah it's it's like again effective uh quick leadership like again like we established there's leaders in here and there are like politics to it none of it matters they're just like yeah dude this dude sucks he's out yeah uh because the bad thing that happens is they accept some new survivors who come into the community and one of them is a mother whose daughter has been bitten and she's just she's hiding it. She's hiding it. She's like in denial that anything bad is going to happen. Uh, that like she she's like, no, it's still my daughter. Uh, and it's endangering people, of course. Uh, and eventually, you know, she starts biting people. A huge outbreak happens. Uh, there's, you know, people running around. Stuff gets set on fire. The guy who was abusing Kairu's mom comes back and he's still an asshole. Uh, and freaking leadership, the politics and the leadership, they start like turning on each other and stuff. None of that matters. What matters is Kairu's trying to survive and protect her mom and she's got Yuki with her. And that's all that matters. <laughs> all the, everything is on fire. Yeah, everything's uh, chaotic, but don't worry. I got my cat and my mom. That's all I need. Uh, Billy ends up getting bitten mm -hmm. and he uh, takes his own life so that he doesn't turn into a zombie and attack more people. And there's a really cold, like, this is like Kaoru turning into a bitter adult moment where she gets to confront the mother who took her daughter onto the island after she had bitten. And it's like, look, I don't blame you for loving your daughter, but if you hadn't done what you did, then the man that I love would still be alive. And it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Because she's right, you know. Yeah. Um, 
but during the fire and everything, uh, Yuki gets separated from Kaoru, and it's really, really, really terrifying because it's like, no, the one thing that was getting her through all these awful circumstances is separated from her. But she does survive, mm-hmm. and so does Yuki, who ends up with another member of the little group that was joining the community along with the woman with the zombified daughter, uh, who is our last protagonist, Seichi, whose story is, I think, easily the weakest. We, uh, we start with him in the oddest place, which is stuck on the island. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes like, oh, what if you had to form a union with other people? Which is intriguing, like being the new guy in a group of survivors. Uh, and then it just kind of ends. Mm-hmm. And... It's interesting because he's like, I owe everything to this cat, so I'm going to do everything to reunite this cat with its owner. And there's not like a level of like catharsis to ever come about, which is like, oh, that's like an insanely daunting task in the middle of this zombie apocalypse. The series is relatively optimistic (laughs) about Mm -hmm. things, Um, but that is going to be his primary motivation is he's just like, I have to... This cat saved my life. I have to get it to its owner, basically. Like, I have to let the owner know the cat's okay. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not bring up that uh, during his escape from the island, he gets bitten by a zombie on the arm and immediately cuts the arm off so that he doesn't become infected. So uh, there's our there's our bleach moment of this series. Uh-huh. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's why Nick stressed, like, uh, a Shinigami. Yes. <laughs> yep. I know what your series is about. It's about uh, <laughs> ghosts. Technically, yes. Uh, see? You can't sue me. You're not wrong. <laughs> you don't know my lawyers, Dave. You can't sue me. I guess Shinigami is not a copyrighted term. You got me there, Gakuro. <laughs> Score one for Gakuro. First points on the board <laughs> in my life. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, he ends, Seichi ends up joining with this group of, like, really angry, uh, teenagers who are like, we don't trust adults, uh, because they were all screwed over by adults in their own lives in various different ways. Uh, and they're like, we don't trust any adults. We're going to, all adults are kill on site, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, I understand not trusting adults, but that's <laughs> There is, like, an attitude that these kids have, because uh, they do get attacked at one point. Like, yeah. they get they get tricked by somebody who's faking an injury, and they get, like, held up, basically. Uh, but these kids have, like, uh, fucking, like, military training, it feels like, because they, yeah. all, they all instantly drop to their knees and cut the Achilles tendons of their, like, you know, the people trying to, like, uh, hold them captive. Yeah, and it's it makes sense. They're like, yeah, n- these guys will make all this noise, attract the zombies, and then they can't possibly run away while we escape. But they all do it like in sync. And I was yeah, like, this is unnerving. How well you guys are. This is clearly not your first rodeo. So they are all going along with Seiichi, and and the entire time, like one of them is saying, like, oh, Seiichi's like dead weight because he's got one hand now, uh-huh. uh, so he can't do as much physical work as the others. Uh, but he's like started to earn their trust in different ways. And they're like, all right, well, there's this compound here. Maybe we can take shelter in the compound. The only problem is that 
uh, the guy who owns the compound is is a convicted murderer. Yeah, uh, they see the guy has a peg leg, and they're like, "That's the peg leg killer." The hatchlinging slasher yeah. is the one who owns this establishment. Uh, and it turns out, yes, he did kill a bunch of people, but it was actually because the people the, the he pe- killed were bad. Yeah, <laughs> he killed a bunch of people because they had already killed a bunch of people yes. and were going to kill him. So yes. by circumstance, he killed people, but not as many as the stories would lead you to believe. Because they killed a bunch of people, he got blamed for all of those deaths as well. And yes. the the way they want you to know that this is a good guy is he has a cat. Got no a cat. evil person would have a cat, Nick. Not at all. None. Mm-hmm. Ignore all those James Bond villains out there. That's no. just anti-cat propaganda. Mm-hmm. Only only uh, a pure of heart person could own a cat. That's just propaganda right there. Is yeah. People who watch you have dogs and not cats. <laughs> when I adopted Professor Peanuts, uh, one of the parts of the application is they actually took my heart out of my chest and they weighed it on a scale against a feather. <laughs> against the feather. <laughs> and debate on the results. So like, you can take this cat over, you can. Yeah. <laughs> or you're, you know or you're damned to eternity. And I was like, it's I want to- this cat. Good to know that shelters take that level of precaution with people. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah, I, I found a good shelter. Guy had a, like an alligator head. It was pretty dope. <laughs> well, on his body or? He had like a human body, but like a big alligator head. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so they decide like, we got to kill this guy and just take his house. Yeah. And, uh, and Seiji, this is your rite of passage. You kill him. And it's like, this seems like a bad time to do this with this guy you know is dangerous. Let's put the killing blow in the hands of the kid who has never killed before and also has one hand. Uh, <laughs> it seems like a bad time. Yeah. Uh, um, it's It's a weird move. Also, they don't. They don't really kick it off on the best note. <laughs> no, like they, they, got, they are kind like of deliberately in the start. Like this guy is like, get off my property, and they're all like, "Fuck you, old man!" And Seiichi is like, "Oh, you have cats? Isn't that great?" He's like, "All right, you can stay for one night." <laughs> it's, it, it's very funny that like they came in with such like uh, exquisite military training when it came to like uh, dismembering those dudes Achilles tendons. But when it came to like getting this guy, they really kind of were just like, get him (laughs) because he kind of gets, he gets a little bit of the jump on them. Yes. Uh, But like, they just overwhelm him with sheer numbers. And then, uh, and then they're like, Seiji, kill him. Yeah. Do it. (laughs) The cats. (laughs) He has like, he has a cat. He can't kill a person with a cat. Uh, I mean, uh, what are we monsters? Are we the zombies? Hey, guys, maybe this is the moral of this story. Maybe we're the real <laughs> monsters here. Admittedly, like it's not just any cat. It's like a cat that he and a girl he was like best friends with, uh, like raised together until it got separated from them and stuff. So he's like, we took care of the cat that means so much to kid me and stuff, guys. So he he doesn't he refused to do it. He stops all the fighting and stuff, and the very violent teenagers are, like, kicked out. Uh, and they're just like, fuck you, Seiichi. It's like, all right. It's, so- yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like, it ends very, like, all right, then. <laughs> like, there's, like, there's no, like, you would expect there to be, like, uh, like a tense moment or just them being like, 
we're not going to let this fucking go. We're going to kill this guy or something like that. But they really like, they kind of get their shit pushed in a little bit and like, all right, fair enough. You win this round, kid. We're going to leave and you'll never see us again. Pretty much. And uh, that's just the end of the series, really. There's a wrap up where we touch base with a lot of the characters that, get, that we had met throughout Yuki's story. Um, and like, you know, several months go by while Seiji stays with this old man who, you know, is like, hey, you know, you, you, we bonded over, you know, not both of us having <laughs> lost a limb, both of us really liking cats. And also, uh, you didn't murder me when those kids were telling yeah. you to. So it's pretty good. <laughs> we, 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 found, we found common ground and like we have three things that are in interest. Cats, uh, missing limbs, me not being killed. Like, I, I feel like we have <laughs> nothing but things to talk about. So we should start a podcast, honestly. <laughs> Uh, and so we check in on like a few different people like Kaoru has like re- has basically seemingly gone on to actually get to the point where she's going to like join the hunter squad for like where her community has reestablished themselves. Uh, she's managing to move on with her life. Uh, Satoko is still like keeping the faith alive. And it turns out that, hey, Gene, there's still hope for him because uh-huh. that one scientist guy that he met on his journeys apparently managed to find his body in like freeze it and he's like working on a cure so there's hope that maybe he'll be saved someday and that's really the ending that we kind of leave on is like yeah things are bad in this world but there's still cats in this world yes i mean that's still hope that is the optimism there are a lot of times in my life where i really feel bleak about my point in the world and thinking that well there's still so many cats i have a pet that really does like drive me forward and i do love the optimism of like the world's pretty great. It has cats as like a driving force uh, to keep like optimism in a, a very pessimistic situation. Uh, I guess the one element to the ending we didn't discuss is that mm-hmm. uh, in that time skip, Yuki uh, fucks. So he has, yeah, little, oh, yeah. he, he has little kittens now. And then Saichi attempts to be like, all right, I've spent enough time here. I've got a good working arm now, like a prosthetic, like I'm going to go out venture back into the world i'm gonna go find um uh Kaoru and and let her know her cat's okay uh but then weirdly the joke at the end of the chapter is he like got like ran into zombies immediately it's like oh fuck that <laughs> like goes back into the base like he was just like yeah that was actually <laughs> these zombies have hands i'm gonna <laughs> maybe maybe this isn't like the immediate thing so it's like Kind of weird. I actually thought with the way the ending was going that it was going to be, uh, like, comically optimistic. I thought they were going right. to be like, we have revived Jin. He's alive. He's going to reunite with his wife. I'm going to find Kaoru and let her know. And she's going to go back to this this little area and she's going to see the cat and all this. Like, everyone's going to see this cat and pet him at the end or something like that. Nah, it's not exactly that optimistic, but it is... It is still comforting and nice, and good times were had by all. Yeah, and the very last note we end on is Yuki sneaks out of the compound because he's a little rascal who can't be contained, and he immediately uh, nearly gets set upon by zombies, and a random survivor who's coming by scoops him up and is like, why did I bother to save this cat? And is running away from the zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the cycle continues. Yuki oh, was that not Saichi? That wasn't Saichi. Oh, then never mind. I was wrong. I thought Saichi left and then immediately saw the cat get attacked by a zombie. I was like, I'm out of here. I'm pretty sure that was just a new guy. Oh, okay. There we go. So so Yuki's adventures continue. That little rapscallion 
Uh, and, uh, yeah, I really do like the note that things end on after seeing everything, seeing like, Hey, there's some really bad stuff has happened to people in this. And it's not like, Oh, everything's going to be okay, but everything could be okay. As long as you just kind of keep on going. And sometimes you need a kitty cat to remind you of that. Uh-huh. And that's just a nice, a nice note. And it feels like a nice solid theme to this. I don't think that the series is perfect, but it was definitely more than I was expecting it to be. Uh, especially based on the first couple of chapters of it, when it seemed like, oh, it's, you know, there's some amusing little tidbits uh, involving this cat. Yeah, I think um, what I was expecting and what I got were were different uh, in a good way. I was expecting, like, because I, I either expect one of two things. I expected there to be a story where the like, cats rule, but also zombie apocalypses are real shit and this cat would never survive okay. at one. Or I expected uh, a world where it's like hilariously ignorant of the zombie apocalypse kind of thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't really get it, It's more closer to the second than the, the other one, but it's still not exactly the, the it's this isn't a comedy exactly it's funny there's a lot of like cute cat jokes and things like that like the cat gets catnip at one point you're like oh what a great ass cat this is great yeah um and to that degree it's very very cute and it's an enjoyable short story um but uh it's it, it exists in this weird space too where i'd recommend it more for a cat fan than for anybody who's like looking yes. for something spooky to like delve into in the the holiday season or anything like that it's not a particularly scary series it's not going to do anything inventive in terms of like zombie media or anything like that i i bet there are still some people out there who have their full zombie escape plans and like a fucking wallet or whatever so if you're like a big zom head and you're like oh what does this have that's new it's uh, the answer is nothing <laughs> absolutely no. nothing if there's a cat there this time yeah yeah yeah, so a nice a nice series, uh, and I'm glad that I read it. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I think that the rest of the manga we're talking about today have a distinct lack of cats in them. So, which is rather unfortunate. Uh, if you're if you're like I listen to this podcast exclusively by a cat ratio, like the graph's gonna mm-hmm. go up and up and up, and then it's gonna plummet. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, so. Very unfortunate. Um, unless we get a random cat sighting, which can happen. Uh, but it does. We'll it does sometimes happen. All right. We're going to talk about My Hero Academia now. It's chapter 404. We love you, All Might. Yay. Uh-huh. Yay. Yay. Uh, all Might, who is, uh, again, being hoisted into the air by All for One, uh, who's going to kill that boy. Uh, and. All Might, of course, in this moment is just thinking about how Night Eye had warned him this is going to happen. He was going to suffer an unspeakably gruesome death if he kept on going. He, but, he is about to be Mortal Kombat fatality right now. Like this it, is this is like straight up like a Jax fatality. You're just like I'm going to rip you in half in the air. Okay, so this next sequence is weird. So, <laughs> So we cut around to, I don't know why we get this like butterfly effect moment <laughs> that happens here. It, it's, it's, it is strange. I get what they're going for. 
but it is definitely one of the stranger like framing devices for a chapter. So there's a sequence that happens where we start off with a guy in a field and he says, maybe I'll bake a pie today. <sighs> he breathes out. <laughs> Cut to a guy in the dark watching the fight on TV. Cut to uh, people in the office saying, forget about that far off danger and focus on today's deadline. Cut to someone praying. Cut to a meteorologist observing weather patterns. And she says the atmospheric current is odd. And then we go to the site of the battle very briefly and then back to her as someone says, that on-air stunt of yours is already all over the internet. And the footage of her says, it may ride east on the jet stream and affect the weather in North America. And people are watching the fight then and cheering on All Might. It's very weird that we cut around to this stuff in this way. Uh, and it, 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 it's, was, it's, it took it, me about three read-throughs to understand what was happening. <laughs> it, it is meant to create this moment of just like, uh, you know, uh, butterfly effect plus like, uh, I mean, honestly, I can't think of another thing than like, uh, we have to defeat, um, uh, we have to defeat uh, the virus Mon or whatever his name was from the Digimon right. movie. So everyone's got to send emails to, to right. clog up the servers. <laughs> So the thing that actually happens now is Bakugo has, has revived. But Nick, don't you mean Bakugo? Bakugo? Yeah, Bakugo. Like, like as if he had gotten like bigger or. Oh, you're supposed to make a pun, right? And you turn, you I mean... flick the light on and off. I feel like you might be missing it. No! You might not have. I, okay. I got the letter from the Spookmaster General. <laughs> it said, make puns about characters' names and then flick the light. Now, there was an adjective in there. I think I forgot what it was. But, I, I mean, I'm, I think I got it. Okay. Slightly smudged from when your nose bled all yeah. over the nose. I, I got real sweaty. I don't normally receive correspondence <laughs> from people other than rocks being thrown at my head. It's a very interesting form of communication. Sometimes people chisel messages into them, so that's nice. Usually it's like, you suck, or I hate your face. Sometimes it's just a rock, though, and those are the worst. Aww. So what actually happened is that Bakugo... Or Baku Grove. I was gonna say, uh, but Nick! <laughs> he's revived thanks to Edshot turning into heart stitching. That's what happened. Uh -huh. uh, Deku and he make eye contact. Bakugo blasts off from the floating base towards Deku. He he and Deku clasp hands and they start to slingshot around and in the exact moment that they complete their turn, Deku is meanwhile getting notes of remember how gear shift works? And it's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so <laughs> Deku releases Bakugo after building up a gear shift to blast him even further on his and faster on his trajectory. And Bakugo keeps on blasting himself forward to go all the way after All Might and All for One. Shigaraki, who has been like six feet away while this is happening, is like, 
It's not going to work. It's not going to, you know, you know, it's not, you're not, you're not going to save him. You, I know because the all might within you used to show up all faint and fuzzy because he was still alive. And now he's taking solid form. So you know what that means. I mean, he's dying. He's dying. The dream is over. So I know that he and Shigaraki have like, had a lot of like connections and stuff mentally and seen what's going on in each other's heads. Uh, so I'm not too surprised by this information, but we didn't really, I don't think, have a moment of them seeing that unless what happened in the last chapter was stuff Shigaraki could also just see in that moment. But whatever. He's mocking him because like it's already too late. But Bakugo continues blasting himself forward. And we are told <sighs> in this moment when people clench their fists or someone breathes a deep exhalation, it's a sort of energy. Energy from striving for a certain future. Energy from wishing. And we are told by the woman, the meteorologist from before, can the flap of a butterfly's wings in Brazil bring about a hurricane in Texas? someone's prayers. So I guess what we're being told simultaneously is that this is people's directed thoughts and hopes and dreams are all giving Bakugo the extra push, the extra, the extra speed he needs to reach all might in time. But also because some random schmo on the other side of the world went, ha, ah, that a slight <laughs> gust of wind also carried him a little bit faster. Now, these are two different types of things. I want people to understand this. The uh. butterfly effect is about chaos and how random domino effects can happen from one side of the world to another. This, however, the rest of it is spirit bomb thoughts. Yeah. If we it just direct our dreams and hopes and energy towards someone, then they could take it in in vital moments. These are two different things, and it really annoys me. <laughs> no, Nick, so you see uh, the farmer uh, breathes in and then exhales. And then a kid at a computer somewhere uh, hears the exhale, and something happens. And then uh, people in a boardroom, uh, something happens. Uh, but then this meteorologist says that the atmosphere current is odd. And that makes... A lot of people hope that All Might's okay. I <laughs> I also did not get this. I understand this is something that's been referenced before in this series, like the idea of like the butterfly effect and this weather report happened previously. I, I right. probably should go back and like read it again and maybe that'll help. But this did feel disjointed. Like I could have accepted either one of these individually. Mm. But as presented together as though they're one coherent idea, I was like, I don't yes. quite get it. That is the issue. I think that all the stuff with like everyone is everyone's thoughts and, and, and hopes and dreams, it's fine. Especially in that moment where Bakugo blasts all the way to to All Might and All for One, and there's all the people in his wake, all the people in a big huge split panel two page spread, and there's like there's Sukauchi, there's Gran Torino, there's Melissa Shield, there's Cancha Sea Kid and his friends, all these different people that we've seen like watching the action from you know across the world 
are still watching it. They're witnessing this happen as it's been the fight has continued to be streamed. And so they see this happen in this moment if they've been hoping and hoping and hoping that All Might's going to be okay. And Bakugo snatches him away from All for One all at once. And we get a moment where Bakugo, uh, we see, you know, just little bits from his life that have led for him getting to this moment where he realized, like, he blames himself for All Might losing his power because All Might had to come save him when he was captured. And that's the last time he was able to truly be All Might. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's a big, great, big, satisfying moment, a huge climax to this sequence where it's like, yay, Bakugo's alive and he gets to save All Might with all these people looking on. I don't know why we have to have this butterfly effect in here. I don't understand why they both have to happen well, at the so, exact same time. So Ninja is saying that the wind was caused by the temperature change from all the Todoroki You don't care! And, well, no, he's the thing. That's really cool. Like, I like this idea that this is like an impossible move that Deku and Bakugo are trying to do. They communicate entirely silently. Like, they, they, they are both keyed in on this idea that there is only one way to save All Might, and it is a crazy long shot. And it doesn't feel like it should happen, but some ran like not random, but like some event unrelated earlier has caused some change that will lead to this happening is like a cool idea that sometimes miracles happen or something like that. And that's sometimes what heroism is. It's just a miracle happening. But like to say that as opposed to being like, oh, but this farmer breathed somewhere else and that caused the change like i'm just like that doesn't connect to anything like just the idea that everybody here cares for all might and a miracle happened to go his way is like a cool moment that i absolutely could have gotten behind but this one uh just came off a little bit weird as a result and i want to make i want it to be clear that yes all those things individually the people are saying are correct but it is also correct that in this moment where we see the leaves blow past Deku's face, they are equated to each other and made one thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the chapter ends with Bakugo snagging All Might and catching him so hard that he blows off All for One's arms because he was hoisting him up in the air, which gave, you know, Deku, you know Bakugo an easy target. Uh... And uh, yeah, All Might is not dead. He he's able to gasp out Bakugo's name, uh, and the ghostly image of All All Might is restored in Deku's head too. So he's fine. And Bakugo's like, yeah, <laughs> did a thing. This chapter was so close to being like the best thing ever, but I had to get on the one hangup I had with it. <laughs> so. yeah no i agree i like as i read this chapter it's like i feel like i should like this but i just didn't like the execution of it I mean, that, that that might be just an us thing that's perfectly you know sometimes sometimes we don't dig it mm -hmm. all right it's uh we've got an undead unluck though yeah let's talk about undead unluck this is number 180 sorry about this so last time, uh, Latla and Rip put one foot in a big boot and they cut Rip open, or they cut Sick open. So uh, they've done. They've won. 
The, the boot unfuses. Oh, wait, actually, they didn't win. Fuko's like, hey, you're not done yet. His core needs to be destroyed. You haven't destroyed it. She immediately, like, gets into action as sort of, like, the leader and is like, all right, close quarters, you take this side. Range attackers, you got to take this side. We cannot let this guy, like, maneuver around right now. Uh, Rip's like, oh, I have to help. And Lotless like, no, I will help. Fuko needs you over there right now. So he's like, all right, fine. Goes over there. He's like, all right, Fuko, I'm going to walk you through this surgery. How, how far along? And she's she's going at it. <laughs> and she's doing this surgery while she is also trying to coordinate things. And he's like, holy crap. She's actually like really good at this. He's like, how are you so good? It took me 10 years to get to this level. And Fuko's like, yeah, I guess everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. It took me 100 years to do this. Yeah. Very cool line. Uh, Rip's like, wait, how fucking old are you? But she's like, hey, well, I'm almost done. We're nearing the home stretch. I will save her. But like, this is this is tough. And she's looking at this action going on. And she's like, Andy, I know you normally would have wanted to take on this role. And ever since the loop, I've, you know, I just haven't found you. You know, I couldn't find any hint of you or anything like that. So in your absence, I'm going to take on everything, you know, like I'll take on all of this. After all, we are. And then there's like a big explosion. She's like, damn, like the this hospital is being destroyed right now. This building will not keep going if this like assault keeps up. Uh, and she like notes to Gina. She's like, you got to you got to keep the unchanged barrier up stronger, like rubble starting to like break through and sick takes this moment to shoot out one of his little tendrils and it rips through the barrier and cuts fuko uh but specifically cuts the cap holding her hair back mm -hmm. and she sees her hair come down and she's like oh no my hair touched him whole oh, fuck this and she immediately has a look of real panic because she's like I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I know that my hair can activate my ability, uh, but I don't know what this ultimately means. She's like, I don't, I can't predict this outcome. And then they look up and a meteorite is coming down. And we see all the characters just like looking up Slackjaw. Nico's just like, holy shit, she wasn't kidding when she said her power can summon a meteorite. Like, oh no. Mm -hmm. Um, Sitka is just laughing about all this. He's just being like blown up. He's just being attacked over and over again. Uh, but he's still just kind of laughing. He's like, ah, you're the unluck vessel, aren't you? I see why uh, that death wishing fool has his eye on you. But it doesn't matter. He can't die in the end. The second he became the negator of death, his luck ran out. And Fuko starts to panic. She's like, what, what do I do? This hospital is going to be wiped off the map. We can't get anybody out of this territory. Running is just not an option. So she starts trying to like process everything. She's like, could we use Unchanged? She's like, no, Gina's too tired. The barrier probably won't hold. Could we use Chikara? We could. Maybe that would stop the meteor, but we have no way to get rid of it. And Sick will be interfering with us the entire time. What about Unbreakable? We don't have enough time. We could use Latla's Untrust, but that could just that would just divert it somewhere else and there would still be a disaster. So she immediately is freaking. She's like, uh, everybody get to the wall. Billy, you have to create an unchanged barrier. Uh, Shin, you got to strengthen it as much as you possibly can. Uh, everything looks like it's really, really bad. Uh, but then a second object from space is hurtling towards earth mm. and it's a hand <laughs> and the hand grabs on to six head and it slams it into the ground 
and we see the ar- the hand start to become an arm, and we see the dead end tattoo on the shoulder. And Andy has shown up. He immediately apologizes. He says, this body's a clone. It's not going to last more than a minute. But give me the order, boss. He's he's like reformed at this point. We see like the and naked the yeah. way that Andy should be. <laughs> and this is a very uh, powerful moment because Fuko pauses for a moment. She's like, Andy is the first time she's seen him in a very long time. Thousands of years, I believe. But she immediately pushes it down and starts like giving directions because she knows she doesn't have time to like get emotional here. So she's like, I'm going to continue operating. You have to handle sick. You need to destroy his core. It's going to be either on the left or right side. Uh, and then we're going to find a way to use another stroke of unluck to intercept the meteorite. And Andy just says, one minute, more than enough to handle this. So mm. that's where we end the chapter. Andy is here very briefly. Uh, some say this is probably being done as a way to connect to the anime. If you were just starting to watch mm. that because the anime uh, is starting, they're like, yeah, and he's not shown up in the the manga for a good year and some change, so a nice chance. Uh, but I, I do like it. Um, I do think there is a mistake because we keep seeing sick with both arms, so I think uh, I think that's just an error because sick should only have one because it was cut off and it was cut off by unrepair, yeah. so it's not like you could just regenerate it. There may be some other technique to explain it. Uh, but yeah, I, I like this chapter a lot. It was really cool to see Andy again. I think it's really cool that he just lands and immediately is like, we gotta, like, I'm only here for a moment, so give me the orders, you know? And I think that's really, really cool. Hmm. Yep. Uh, I don't really know what the hell is going to happen now. Uh, I wasn't expecting Andy to show up in this particular moment, uh, but I can't imagine that Six going to be around for much longer. Than no, it would be that. wild if Six took him out. <laughs> if like Six went, Six went toe to toe with Andy. Like, oh no! It's like, nah, this, 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 this clown's out of here next, next uh, turnabout. Yeah, uh, and it was nice to see, you know, the continued reminder of like, look, Fuko's really strong. She's got a lot of really good plans, uh, and she knows, you know, everyone better than they even know themselves due to all of her experiences. But even she, you know, can fall prey to like bad situations and has those panicky moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's nice to have that, you know, those human touches uh, for her, uh, even though she's, you know, still the general of everyone, everything like she's she's not she doesn't always have it together. Um, yeah. And uh, and her darkest moment. Hey, Andy's there to back her up. Yeah, it was it was nice in that in that regard. But I do hope I am glad to know that Andy is not going to just like be around now because yeah, it will definitely feel like well what what why is this it just is a little anticlimactic <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The idea is that, like hey this is just a clone it's only going to be here for a minute or whatever maybe next chapter who knows yeah all right let's talk about blue box blue box chapter one hundred twenty two show off your skills uh. Taiki and Shinatsu are at morning practice. But Nick, don't you mean Shinatsu? So like she, she's Shinatsu, Nick. Because so it's like so. Oh, I think I broke it. No, it's okay. So because it 
because the last part of her name is the beginning of the word soup. Is that what you're saying? What? Oh, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, good. Was that a good one? Yeah, great, great. I'm going to put another yeah. tally yeah. on the board. What do you do when you've had more than one tally in your life? Oh, oh! You don't know how tally marks work, do you? <laughs> I've never used them before. I've never, I've never put anything in my win column. <laughs> <laughs> so, Taiki and Chinatsu are hanging out in the gym, doing work in their own corners. Uh, Akari comes in, and uh, so you know she greets uh, the two of them. Taiki's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, good, good job coming in early." And she's like, "Ah!" gets gets freaked out. And she says, oh, I wasn't expecting you to talk to me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm used to getting up early because my whole family goes for a run together first thing in the morning. So, yeah, Hyodo, not just Hyodo, his entire family gets up in the crack of dawn to go Everybody, on jobs together. That's wild. Everybody. Uh, and so she says, yeah, but I want to get good at badminton now. So I bailed early to come here instead. It's like, well, So she's already been working out, essentially. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was very intriguing. Uh, because like this is their sacred time. Like this was like what got them to know each other. Is like we're the only two people here in the morning, and it's like nope, this new kid's actually gonna be here about the same time. Yeah. It's like fuck. Uh, and uh, so she's like, yeah, well, if I want to be able to return my brother's smashes, then I've got I've got a train. So Taiki compliments her, like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's nice nice to have that determination. And Shinatsu's watching the two of them talk to each other. Uh, and, uh, as, you know, as soon as Taiki notices it, he's like, there's nothing going it's like on. Nothing. It's cool. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, she starts, Akari starts to ask him a, f- a favor, but before she can, some more people come in and she's immediately like, oh, nothing, goodbye. Gets scared and runs away. And she's like, oh, if I were to ask him how to teach me to return smashes, I'd just be bothering him oh it's like oh she doesn't want to be a bother and that's sad because it's like, like me yeah that's how you get to know people is that you learn that you're not always just a bother to them not sometimes. me i'm always an inconvenience don't you have like three girlfriends no huh do i isn't that what's going on no uh <laughs> When the monk ends, they just point and laugh at me. It's not. It's not very. That's not good information to have from behind the scenes of the new sexorcist. I'm gonna give you some fun facts about new sexorcist. I don't have a dress. Even you call it that. (laughs) That's the name, isn't it? Yes. That's what I got tattooed on my back. Well, they 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 tattooed it on my back. They branded you. I thought we were going to do, like, the Lord of the Rings Fellowship 9 tattoo, <laughs> but actually they just tattooed two sexorcists on my back. Maybe as a warning, now that I think about it. Like a curse. Oh, boy. Uh, what feels like the first real sign that Akari is, in fact, drawn to Taiki in some way is that she's thinking, like, oh, yeah, I want to return Yoda smashes. But also, I want to return Taiki Senpai smashes. And it's like, all right. Looks up to him in, in some form at the very least. There's something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, later on, the whole when the whole badminton club is there, and she announces that there's going to be a round robin tournament, and they say the results will be used to determine who's going to go to the qualifiers for nationals. 
Uh, Haru, of course, immediately does very well. He's beating everyone that he goes up against. Uh, and, uh, you know, people are just kind of like looking on from the sidelines. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, the first years are definitely no match for the second and third years. But if anyone were to get in, it'd be him. And, of course, they're talking about Haruto, who is also doing really well. He's winning his matches and progressing and stuff. And he happens to go up to the board where they're tracking their wins at the same time that Haru is there. Uh, and uh, someone kind of immediately like runs off uh, after knowing stuff on the board. Uh, doesn't want to interact with him at all. And so Haru notes like, man, everyone's really scared of you. Are you okay with that? He's like, yeah, it's fine. I kind of get a kick out of seeing them cower. I take it as a compliment. Uh, and so Haru asks him like, hey, you went to Sajikawa Junior High, so why did you decide to take the test to come to AMA High instead? And he paused for a second, and Haruto just looks at Haru and says, "It's a win at nationals. That's what I told you, right?" Uh. <laughs> then he just kind of like goes over to Taiki Haruto does, and he's like, "Hey, dude, was that Jello in the kitchenette for anybody?" And Taiki's like, it was the teachers. Oh, oops, I ate it. <laughs> uh, yeah, this dude is just the fucking worst. <laughs> just ate someone's Jello. <laughs> it's like it's, it's like you don't know who it was. It's not for you. There's only one yeah. Jello. <laughs> he, he just walked in. He was just like, I'm just gonna have this though. <laughs> I didn't. Like his- I didn't confuse it for my Jello or something similar. I just saw it and ate it, and I was like, was that a teacher's? <laughs> it's like the teacher is Ross from Friends. <laughs> <Yeah>. My Jello <laughs> so, With the moist Ross maker! Like, Ross sounds a lot like Gakuro. <laughs> My sandwich! Oh, I, take, I take it back. <laughs> uh... Haruto leaves. I actually, been watching. I actually look up to Ross. He's my hero. <laughs> of all the friends, he's the one I want to exemplify the most. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that Gakuro looks up to Ross as an inspiration would actually say the a one, lot about him. The one person who says Ross is his inspirational figure from friends. I want to be more like that guy. It's like if you say you want Phoebe to be is <laughs> your aspirational figure. It's like she's kind of a shit person. <laughs> oh god. Um. Anyway, so Haruto just goes off after talking about stealing that teacher's jello, I guess. Uh, and Haru has been observing this, and he's like, "Why is he talking to you so casually?" And Taki's like, "Yeah, apparently he thinks that I'm a first year." Haru, of course, thinks this is fucking He's hilarious. Like, what? Like, the most emotion he has ever expressed. It just happens out in this moment, has a laughing fit. He's um, so excited by this news. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they they talk a bit about, about Haruto and say, like, you know, among the first years, he's obviously, like, the odd one out. So, you know, uh, people who speak their mind tend to be. Uh, but he's good at badminton. So nobody can complain. Uh, and uh, he said, Haru says, I do like him. You can tell from talking to him how much he likes badminton. Anyway, time to show off your skills. Inomata senpai. He's making fun of him some more and stuff. But 
he goes on to say, like, hey, I don't care if he doesn't recognize you as an upperclassman. You better not lose to him, though. Because, of course, they've got their own little senpai kohai rivalry going on right now. Uh, Haruto is watching some other people play badminton. Mentally, he's, he's just like, why, is, why are these guys playing like that? They're making these easy mistakes. And he goes, he thinks back to how his older brother would talk to him the exact same way. Like, why can't you do this? Why can't you do that? And how much it would piss him off, of course. Uh, And uh, he's lost in thought for a second until Taiki comes up and gets his attention. Says, hey, let's have a match. Uh, So everyone starts to kind of like take notice of this because like, oh, Taiki, who of course has been doing really well. And there's Haruto, who's, you know, the rising star. They're still like, oh, you think's going to win and stuff. And uh, they start playing with each other and uh, they start observing like, oh, you know, Haruto's using a feint. Uh, so uh, it's, a, it's a good move to use against Taiki uh, so that they can, you know, change up the tempo of play. He's like probably the type of player that specifically Taiki would not do well against. Uh, but Taiki does immediately manage to catch Haruto off guard uh, by dropping the, the the shuttlecock in a different position instead. Uh, and they start to have this intense volley at net up until Haruto manages to get a good shot that gets by Taiki. And they're like, oh shit, he's got it past him. And Taiki whips around and manages to save it, lob it back over the net. And even when Haruto looks like he feels like, oh, I'm going to finish it off, he still keeps on going for it. Like, he just doesn't give up on the, on volleys like that. Yeah. Uh, so it starts drawing a lot of attention, even for people outside of the club. Other people in the gymnasium are watching stuff. And uh, so people who are hanging out with Akari are like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's that that's Yusa. Uh, he looks good. Oh, and the guy he's going up against is Akari's crush. And Akari's like, a crush? What crush? No, I just like the way that he plays. Chinatsu is literally right next to the girls as they're talking. I love it. She has like this thing first, like, what? But then it's very, very cute because she's actually like, oh, he has little fangirls now. But he's mine. So I got him. (laughs) Like, she she doesn't say those words, but it's definitely an attitude. Like, it's actually kind of cute that he has, like, people crushing after him because I do, too. I just am dating him. Yeah. Shinatsu's very secure in their relationship, uh, it seems, because, you know, immediately she just looks past him, sees sees her boy trying his hardest, and she's like, yeah, that's that's Taiki. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, So. A nice chapter, again, really getting into the sports part of, of this series with this, you focus on this badminton match that's going on between Taiki and, and Haruto, and it does feel like stuff's at stake here. Like, hey, you better not fucking lose, Taiki. You don't don't lose. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely some really, really cool stuff going on. Um, let's <laughs> force ourselves, Nick, to talk about Boruto. Boruto... Two Blue Vortex, Chapter 3, Uzuhiko. Uh, our cover page features Himawari, who is not in this chapter at all, I don't think. <laughs> well, we hadn't gotten a, like, a, a color page with her, because it wasn't it. It was Boruto at the start, then Serata, and right. then like it makes sense. So like they're going to get different characters. What I think is very humorous is like it, it feels like her pants have gotten like 
more comically large. Like she's wearing Jinko yeah. jeans now or something. Like I'm like, why are these so baggy? I don't understand. This like feels a different kind of impractical for a ninja. Yeah. Every teenage girl in Boruto is going to wear the most impractical clothing to be a ninja. In, it feels like it feels like she was like, I miss my dad. So I'm going to put on one of his pairs of pants <laughs> and just wear that. Like, they're so big. Is that what every wait? Is that what every girl is going to do? Is like, I miss the important man in my life. So I'm going to wear I'm going to wear I'm going to wear a piece of his clothing. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, it would <laughs> Nick, we. <laughs> There's only so many important characters. Important. There's only so many no. quote unquote important female characters in this series, and two of them are doing it. So, uh, if we just if we just find out Ada's like uh, like puts on like a stupid thing that uh, what's his name strap on her face. Yeah, she, she has a big strap going across her head, and you're like, yeah, that's what they're all doing. So last time Boruto said after telling Code Constant, he's like, you better give up. He's like, all right, I'm going to use my new technique, Rasengan Uzukiko. And so he's using it, and there's this all this energy whirling around him now. Uh, but there's no Rasengan formed in his hand. So Code's like, what is, he, is he using his vanishing Rasengan thing? Nah, that's not it. Also, why is he approaching me like this? So, you know, he slashes his claws, makes a bunch of claw marks on the ground, teleports behind Boruto using one of them, and goes like, ah, I'm going to get you. And Boruto just... Turns around, uh, goes to use the palm strike and goes like, ha, I cut your hand. This is the ultimate way of dealing with this. Now I've got a free hand. And Boruto just partially unsheathed the sword because he's he's Sasuke now. Uh, blocks the claw from there. Uh, and Code's like, ha, you can't hit me with it. And Boruto's like, I told you, killing you is easy. In fact, I'm already halfway there. And even the active code catching his hand has transferred the jutsu onto him. The energy is now swirling around him, but it doesn't seem to be doing anything. So code's like, all right. Okay. So, and board says, interesting. I'm warning you. You better give up. Code's like, no. Goes for him and immediately just misses Barto. Flows past him. And he's like, stop moving around. Misses him again, lunging towards him. He's like, what's going on? He's not simply dodging. It's not just Ginjutsu or doppelgangers. This is... Uh, and Boruto punches him really, really hard in the gut. And declares Rasengan Usuhiko. And the energy goes whirling into him again. But like, more. And he just blows him off his feet. And he lands on his feet. And uh, that's it. He's done. Ada's watching. Ada's watching everything, of course, with her security camera footage uh, jutsu thing. And she's like, that seems really basic. How's it different from a regular Rasengan? I mean, if anything, it seems less powerful than a normal Rasengan because it didn't do any, it didn't blast him apart. It just kind of went, so you go over there. So, expert combat analyst Damon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Damon, who, as we know, is a combat specialist. Now, it was established he's, like, the fighter of the two, but I'm right. just like, how many fights has this kid been in? It doesn't any? seem like very many. <laughs> so, he goes, hmm, so Boruto's the one making the ground tremble. Or rather, it's the entire Earth. This attack makes use of planetary spin. Now, 
as absurd as that sentence is, he is correct. My question is, how does he know that? And 1A, how does he know that? And Ada, who can see everything, not know that? <laughs> it's, it, it, it's like a sense of like, part of me is like annoyed because it's like, oh, the boy of the group has to be like the fighting expert who can give the knowledge. And then part of me is just like, okay, who gives a shit? I just... <laughs> I like kind of passed by. I was like, sure, whatever. I don't know. You have two characters there. I guess both of them should talk. <laughs> so, code uh, is. Yeah, go ahead. I, I'm Sorry. just trying to think. I'm like, how? Like, what? Does Damon also have the eyes that see everything? No. So like, I, I, he, like, he's just feeling the ground rumble, and he's like, a bitch hit him a spin. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he fucking hit him with infinite spin. He stand. He uh, he used a Tusca level four, or whatever on him, or, or whatever uh, Johnny's stand was for part seven. This is straight right. up an ability for part seven, by the way, of Jojo's right. Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> so, Code is very clearly winded by this, and he's like, "Oh, I nearly dropped my ass caught because of that." Uh, and Bart, I would have looked foolish. <laughs> Baruto says, I'm surprised. I didn't expect you to still be standing. And when Code looks at Baruto, everything is spinning. In fact, it, it's not even just that everything is spinning, because that would require, like, a nifty-looking visual effect. There's just speed lines, but in a whirly pattern this time. Yeah, there's, to represent a there's a bunch of swirl around him. It's like, he can't see anything. Yeah. It's like, what's with all the spinning? And he just topples over and falls on his side. And he's like, what did you do to me? And Baruto says, think of it as a Biting counterattack from this planet that you were trying to destroy. All right, destroyed him. <laughs> Nick roasted. He's been fucking. He's been fucking toasted. God, this kid's dead in more ways than one. Socially, certainly. Captain Planet is Boruto. <laughs> so he says, "This is a Rasengan that incorporates." A planet's chakra, its rotation, the power that is rushing through your body right now will never dissipate, like how a planet will never stop spinning. First of all, planets do stop spinning. That is a thing that can happen. Uh-huh. So, bad science Boruto appears. Whoa, uh, Nick, you're calling bad science in all this? <laughs> yes. Uh Obviously, compared to a human lifespan, it feels like it'll never end. But anyway, he says, yeah, the damage to you will continue semi-permanently. Semi, because your life will run out before the planet stops spinning. He thought he and ate so, there. He really thought he had something. He was like, yeah. semi-permanently, because you'll die before the you'll planet die. stops spinning. <laughs> it, it, I don't, did you ever see like the image of... Uh, uh, when the actress was announced for a bad Cinderella, and she's like, "I'm gonna be your Cinderella. I'm I'm not gonna be your Cinderella. I'm your bad Cinderella." And she turns around and like starts spray painting bad. Oh, this is a very specific reference. Most people will get. The, you think? <laughs> I forgot that not everybody is terminally on TikTok like I am. Regardless, the point is, is that uh, this was definitely a moment that I feel like Boruto was supposed to come off cool, and I'm just like. I mean, I guess. Yeah, technically. Of course he's supposed to come off as cool. Look at him. He's got a scar over his eye. He carries a sword. He's got that cloak. 
and he's making serious faces. So yes, he's supposed to come off as if he's cool. Instead, he I want everyone to just imagine all the teenage cosplayers who will try try and say this line because they think it's cool. And I want you to go mm, not cool like very us. Awkward, very awkward and cool when that happens. And I want you to say like, "Yes, but that's the original form it took." <laughs> Look, I, I'm not even going to get into if you transfer a planet's rotational ability to a single person's body, they will just die. Like, <laughs> so anyway, Bard says, "Like, look, I'll rescind the ability if you just tell me where the fucking ten tails is. <laughs> Take me there, and you might live." But no, instead, Kawaki shows up, and Kawaki and Boruto angry smolder at each other. <laughs> yeah. They're just... Remember when Boruto had a personality before he got older? <laughs> he doesn't anymore. He's just cool now. Kawaki. <laughs> Kawaki, you fool. You let him escape. And then Himawari's there, uh, and he actually shows a brief... Im- semblance of emotion because like, oh Hima's here and also she's there with like Shikadai's group and they're like what are you doing in Kodoha and Bord is like I'm trying to make a deal mind not interfering and Code's like ah oh, my claw marks are over here and Kawaki's like nope shrinks them with his jutsu and stuff and uh, he's like yeah I don't know what happened here but uh, I think we've cut off Code from his escape so I could probably just kill him now and, Sh- and Shikamaru is in contact with him is like yeah kill that boy and Bard's like, no, don't do it. Don't provoke him. And is like, who are you to order me around? If you think that I'm doing the same voice for these two, it's because I am. That's why. That's all. <laughs> That's the only reason. If you showed yourself here, you must be prepared to die, Borzo. All right. So, yeah. Code summons a... Freeze a clone. <laughs> Come on, Nick Grime Claws. We know their name. Claw Grime. Claw Grime. Grime. Claw Grime. Yeah. Kawaki gores it through the stomach, but Code is like, oh, straps on its back, and he teleports through the strap. And Kawaki's like, no, he got away. It's very funny to me because it's like, isn't he supposed to be like intensely dizzy and like and unable? Like he that's can... a pretty precise jump he had to make because like he had to not be in the spike, you know? <laughs> Look, I can't attack Boruto, who is five and a half feet tall but i can aim for this one section of flesh that is four square inches so ko gets away through one of the claw grimes and shikamaru is like kill the other claw grimes and the kawaki's like i got business with this one look looks at boruto meanwhile i like that there's a little sound effect that says "Ooh." Yeah, that's the, the sound the audience is making while watching this. Ooh. Ooh. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Every new line. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, the guy who was turned into a tree, I don't know his name, but he's a tree now. Uh, they're looking at it, Sarai's investigating it, and she's like, well, Ten Tails. Wouldn't it be ironic if his name was like Alfred Mahogany or something like that? <laughs> like, he's just like, don't make fun of me because I turned into a tree now. Not even like anything like subtle, 
like, like it, branch it, oak. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 like oak tree McMahogany or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so Serata's investigating it, and she and she opines, "Well, Ten Tails be- becomes a divine tree when devouring an Otsutsuki. So maybe devouring beings is instinctual for them." And so the guy's like, oh, so you mean this is a defective divine tree because it devoured the wrong thing? And so I was like, I mean, I'm not sure, but he's not dead. It's a good thing that tree face McMahogany is still alive. It's a good thing. I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, Kwaki looks at Boruto and says, it's been three years. What's with your outfit? You and Uchiha adoptee now? And Boruto says, your smack talk sure hasn't changed. Yeah, but yours has. It got way lamer. <laughs> uh, and they start to slowly walk towards each other. Slowly. We can't have anything else happen in this chapter. So they sl- slowly turn towards each other while they say, Put out. Put out, Kwaki. You're in my way. You're the only one in anyone's way, Boruto. Oh, Uno reversed that, son of a bitch. Yeah, you got him, Kwaki. God. This is interminable. Boruto's got a frog in his collar. The frog says, Infiltration accomplished, Boruto. Code is returned to base. And they snuck a frog in Code's clothes to spy when he went back to the Ten Tails. I really expected this frog to be, like, more covert or whatever. It's, like, just on his thigh. It's like, hey, made it. And I'm like, "Ah, I feel like the, the cool ninjas would figure this one out really easily. Just come on. This so, is kind of a big frog. I'm not gonna lie. You should. I'm not even a ninja. I would definitely notice a frog of that size on my hip. So they've confirmed that the ten tails is there. Cool. Boruto knows the, where the ten tails is. Oh, maybe. we also find out poor bug is in a tree. Poor bug. Oh no. Poor bug. Oh no. Oh no. I mean, admittedly, I do care about him more than tree face McMahogany. Yeah. So. Old tree face. Uh, Nick, uh, not a good chapter, but most of it was action, so that's good. It was pretty quick, and that I appreciate. It went by faster than it could have. Yeah. Ah, Eden Zero! Nick, let's talk here real quick about Eden Zero. This is chapter 261, Life Slash Death. Celeste. Uh huh. It's it's uh it's poetry. Some would say it rhymes. Um, so last time, Moscoy turned into Cosmo, the sexy yes. bondage butler, uh, and uh, Clown's uh, dead here. And I I really did sit there and, and think like maybe Clown was human, and I just forgot he is a robot. So I don't really mm-hmm. know why the robot killing gas didn't work on him too. I guess he took an antidote to the robot killing gas. Um. Yeah, it was sitting in his digestive system, which robots have. Ah, I get it. Uh, We get some more bondage jokes. Uh, So if you're a huge fan of those, you get like two straight pages of it. They do start to... By bondage jokes, you mean just bondage acts. I mean... Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. If you thought there was like a set-up punchline, I guess there's not. Um, But uh, Sister gets put into different bondage positions. So if that's what you're interested in, uh, you get a couple pages of that. Uh, Happy does ask a question that I think we're all wondering, which is like, why, why does Moscow turn into you? And right. uh, Cosmo responds, um, it's actually just a transformative function because Ivory 
kept like punishing Bosco in really humiliating ways and eventually created this switch that makes everything opposite. It's truly right. like a, I don't know. It because, does. <laughs> because. Uh, why do why, why does he become a space butler? I guess a butler is the opposite of what Moscow is. Right. Why do do I exist as the opposite personality of Moscow? Because I exist as the opposite personality of Moscow. That's uh-huh. basically just it. There is admittedly one line of this that actually didn't legitimately make me laugh, which is it. He proceeds that explanation to happy of like, oh, you know, it's transformation design by saying, oh, it's for a very deep and significant reason. It's just a transformation function. Just immediately contradicts himself that it's for a deep and significant reason. It's like I do. I I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we get some spanking jokes, so if you were looking forward to that, you can. I relate very much to Happy, who's just kind of like awkwardly watching this, being like, uh, should I go? Uh, and then Clown's like, I'm Clown! And starts uh, self-destruct. Uh, so they're like, oh no, this is really bad. But then Pino activates her EMP, so Clown doesn't explode. And also, uh is like defeated i guess like smoke comes out of his mouth so i think that's what happens when an emp goes off you get you defeat uh clowns yeah, um you go cough, cough, cough hack yeah. And kill. yeah in the process of doing that that also negates cosmo and moscow's transformation so we get moscow back again uh and uh which is like her sister's like i'm gonna punish you now but we don't get any time for that because the scene zero is gonna self-destruct in eight minutes um we get a brief interaction between uh killer and hermit where hermit's like i have to fix this and he's like you can't no one can overcome my programs and weiss is like why don't you come and fight us and he's like sorry i'm the type who fights with his head unlike you and i'm like he's like a technological genius i don't understand what that yeah whatever <laughs> just people it's just people saying things that's all it is it's uh-huh. n- nothing actually meaningful behind it and then uh hermit goes the life of edens won't not let anyone die and i always forget that's what her title is supposed to be because yeah. it, it makes very little sense hermit or sorry, we cut over to Witch, who is doing something. I truly don't know what she she's casting something, and Wizard says a haze element, and I don't know what that means. It's something. She casts a spell, and he blocks it, and then he overdrives, and he's like, "Ah, Shiki boarded that ship. What a fool! Now he'll never return." And this character's name I forgot: Lawless Lightning or some shit like that. <laughs> I'm just gonna call him uh, Double L. Uh, Double L's like, aha! I've uh, my robots. I'm bringing them back. She's like, what? How could you possibly do this? And he throws uh, a bunch of like metal shards at one of the robots, and it gets smashed. But then it gets back up. And uh, Double L's like, you will serve me until there's nothing left of you but a single screw. And she's like, no! How can you do this way to the robots? Like, what are you? And then. Uh, Double L takes this opportunity to sneak up and stab Shiki through the chest. And he's like, oh, you little little thing like that shake you, huh? And then, of course, Nick, it's time for our obligatory 20,000 years ago page. Uh, <sighs> this time, it's Switch saying, should we name the baby Shiki? 
And uh, Wizard's like, Shiki? And she says, yes, I think there's a powerful life force in the name Shiki, which is ironic because he's dying 20,000 years from now. Yeah, uh, it's also weird because I'm pretty sure that Chi is, means death. So, okay. <laughs> um, no, Nick, it makes a ton of sense. Stop got, thinking about it. I, so this is, this is bad. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have too much to say. We've talked about how these uh, one-page things are dumb. We've talked about how the fake-outs at Eden Zero are dumb. As I said, if you want to see some bondage and spanking jokes, you get a little bit of that there. If you were hoping for, like, explanations about the right. Cosmo, you're not getting that. There's no progression in anything else. Wizard can overdrive who gives a shit. Pretty much. it. Uh, fuck it. So... Yeah, we've got to talk about several more series. Let's get into Cypher Academy, Chapter 45. Become the fight, not the muzzle. Whatever that means. Kubinashi and Yugata are having a battle with each other. Uh, and it's with the, uh, with the on, on the line is the loser will be exiled from Cypher Academy. Uh, and... Uh, so Kubinashi has proposed the game Endless Craps. Uh, and uh, she says that this was devised by Class E's Ryu Hanagoromo, who we do catch up on it's just like as she's making her way through stuff in a, on a different floor. Uh, and she says, this is a game where participants link words. One takes the last syllable of the previous word, uses it to create a new word, and so on. Uh, in other words, it's Shiri Tori, the popular Japanese game where you take the last character of one word to begin the next one. But with the add twist that they roll dice to determine how many uh, syllables your word has to be, you get points for it uh, depending on how many syllables it is. And if you can't think of a word, then uh oh, that's a bad thing. So that's a combination of dice with the, with the, with the word game. Uh, and, uh, so she says, you don't lose if you use a word that ends with N, which is a big no-no because of course you can't begin things with the syllable N in Japanese. Uh, it's a very weird thing. Like almost everything's a vowel sound in Japanese except N, which is not. But, uh, so... Uh, she gives an example and is like, all right, you with me? And you got just like, yep, okay. Uh, and she says, also, you get three different types of dice. And this is the most Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> that we've gotten in a while. Because it's like, holy shit, a D6, a D12, and a D20? What the fuck? <laughs> it's wild. It's like you get more points the higher you roll. But you'd get really fucked if you rolled really high on those dice. Particularly mm -hmm. the D12 or the D20. Uh, so, of course, our observ observation team are looking all on all this with, with some interest, especially because these two are having a battle that has completely nothing to do with the tower progression that they're getting into. Uh, and uh, she, uh, Kubinashi says, we'll keep going until someone else reaches this floor. I certainly wouldn't want to play while having to keep an eye on the clock after all. Uh, and, and Yugata says, yeah, those are difficult rules. It'll be difficult to beat you without hurting you under these rules. I mean, just, it's like, fuck it. I fucking love you, Gata. So, she's so extra and 
and badass. So we get our big square off thing with the two of them doing fucking JoJo poses. <laughs> okay, ready to go. Uh, cut around a bit more to like where uh, Iroha uh, is. Uh, they're playing a DDR puzzle. Don't know how that works, but <laughs> I mean, there was like a surgery puzzle. So, you know, yeah. I- I'm not going to worry about it. Uh, so they start getting into the game and Kubinashi immediately starts using words that are basically needling into you She's got this mean. Path. You're like, yeah. oh, come on. So, for example, she used a word that is undutiful towards one's parents and stuff. And all of her things are like that, basically accusing Yugata of betraying her family, not living up to their expectations and relying on Toshisai instead. But the real big complication that they come across is, uh, yeah, um, so Yugata is rolling the D20s. They're like, oh, she's falling for the bait. And Nohime says, no, she's not. She's acknowledging that she won't be able to win if she rolls the D6 or the D12 because she has a dire lack of luck. If she had participated in leaky poker, she probably would have had no hand for the entire game. That's the kind of luck she's got. Uh, And uh, Iroh is being told about this at the same time for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, And he's like, that doesn't make any sense, though. Dice and cards and stuff is just like all probability and everything. He's told like, no, no, no. Have you never noticed any trends in your code battles with Yugata? In my exhibition match with her, I wasn't able to pull that genius level of bad luck out too well. As long as she doesn't have some sort of code battle that would seriously exile her from Cypher Academy, I'm sure she'd never suffer too much from being so unlucky. But Yugata has commented on this to pass even straight to Uroha, saying like, it must be nice to be lucky. Because she's just got bad luck in general. Mm-hmm. And things progress that way. Every time that Kubinashi gets word, she does something that needles Yugata further. And she's just, you know, rolling like D6 each time. Yugata is rolling the D20 every time and is always getting like one, yeah. two, three. <laughs> it's, it's embarrassing because like she they, they point out that like she never rolls higher than a five when she's just yeah. rolling that. And it's like, damn, I've known players with that level of bad luck where you're just like, I don't, I don't know what this is. You have cosmically bad luck. It's incredible. I've seen runs of that like that before, but they're like, holy shit, what, what the fuck happened? <laughs> but that's, you know, that's probably in order for her to roll less than a five in the 15 rolls that she gets. <laughs> that's so many. And five is like the high point usually it's like two or one you know like she's she's just i would not want to play D D with her her character would die like it just implode immediately <laughs> yeah we're talking in the realm of like freaking trillions to one odds at, at a certain point but anyway uh the observation crew are like you know it's actually amazing in an incredibly different way which is that <laughs> she's rolled the d20 15 times and never got higher than five <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Kubanashi can just play it safe because she's never going to get caught. Uh, and so they're like, oh shit, man, maybe Yugata is really in a bad spot. Uh, and eventually, uh, Kubanashi says, like, oh, are you suspecting that I tamper with the dice? We're in a virtual reality realm here, so you know that you know that's not what the case. I can understand why you'd want to forget about Irohozakaku and enticing you, though. And Yugata says, all right, that one hurt. 
you're the one person I thought would understand how grateful I am to Hirohazaka kun for that. And she picks up all three dice at once to roll them together. And uh, so they're like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, they never said that you could only roll a single die, right? Uh, uh, so I guess that falls within the realm of credibility. But Nohime says, like, no, nah, actually, you've got it wrong. It's in places like this that Tayutan's plans backfire. That's the true nature of Tayuta luck. <laughs> and she has rolled a 20 on the d20 and a 9 on the 12. Her roll in total is 30. She has to go with a 30 plus syllable line. And so like, shit, what's she going to do? And Kubinashi's like, hey, looks like that's game. Uh, you know, maybe depending on the circumstances, we don't have to actually exile you. And Yugata says, you just said reprogramu. So I'm going to take the mu and make it into Murasame no Suyumomada Hinumaki no Hani Kirita Chinaboro Akino Yugure, which is a poem, uh, which is basically from which is basically translates to the rain shower has passed, but the dew has yet to dry, while white mist rises up around the pine leaves on this autumn evening. And this is seemingly in reference for her to the time that she was, you know, living by herself in the rain and Toshisai came and offered her a place by her side. Uh, and so everyone's like, oh shit, what the, <laughs> she, she did it. She, how, how the hell did she do that? But it's not just that, uh, as Kubunashi goes on saying like, hey, you know, even if we excuse the fact that you rolled multiple dice, you should have gotten some information ahead of time before you decided to use an entire poem in a one-word naming game. But at that moment, Invalides Yunaki Guisu has arrived on their floor. And she says, yeah, she actually was getting confirmation the entire time that you guys were playing. Or did you not notice that all the syllables that are from that poem are the only ones that she used in all of her previous answers? Not only was she playing the endless craps, but she was combining it with her game with Iroha, a verbal slip, slip cut by omission. So, so wild. I, I, I love how fucking extra these characters are. Uh, so essentially, Invalidia says, I would interpret that code like this. I'm going to recite this poem later. <laughs> she called her shot. And so, yeah, she... Kubinashi's got no response to that and is like, all right, well, I guess the one who was trying backfired was me. And she just kind of like quietly applauds it. And she says, you know, I just made the rule. And uh, she says, I, you got to says, I just made the rules kinder so that I wouldn't hurt you because with her monster score that she got from that, she tied it with Kubinashi. Mm -hmm. So now neither of them gets expelled. It's a ridiculous triple reveal that happens it's uh, it's very funny because it's 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 what you expected when i was like all right they're like oh the loser not only gets expelled uh from the game they get expelled from the school it's like well you're not gonna do that like you're not gonna right. essentially kill off a character so the idea was like they'll probably tie the game or something like that mm -hmm. uh but the idea that's like oh she uses her weird luck to do this elaborately long poem 
And also, she's been following an entirely different set of rules because it's the only way, she, it's the handicap she feels she needs to put on herself to make this a fair game, otherwise she'd destroy her. And she did it to make this die. It's like, okay. I, 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 this is straight up Yu-Gi-Oh! Of just like, oh, yeah. I, I had the perfect monster to this situation. I attacked the moon and it destroyed your tide and now I can go at all your monsters. She's like, sure, man. I guess that's just a card in your deck. Yeah. It's like, this character seems broken. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, she looks cool. I don't know what to tell you. I, I've long sat, long since reached the point where I was like, oh, I wonder if any of our main characters will take like debilitating losses, and like we'll see them have to like, nah, they're just gonna be fucking cool, and they're gonna look cool. Yeah. I, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, uh, what a fun, what a fun little ride that is. Uh-huh. Kagurabachi, though, we gotta move on. Chapter six, peace. Uh, so Chihiro, while he's got Char in his car, hey. Uh, has, is being beset upon. Oh, that rhymed! Yeah, it did. It did. Good catch. Good catch. So, uh, he is cornered in his car uh, with uh, by a sorcerer who's got like a bunch of like clones question mark of himself everywhere uh, surrounding the vehicle, and they all start charging in towards him. And not only that, but they like dissolve into mush and float and swarm in through the windows and o- overwhelm Chihiro until he just bursts out. You know, he just does. Uh, lands on a ledge ne- nearby in a superhero pose and stuff. And uh, so uh, they, he explains how he found out about it, which is just that someone posted some stuff online. Who cares? So <laughs> oh, I mean, I get it. They're like, hey, like uh, the, the person you pissed off put a bounty on her, basically. Yeah. So everyone's going to be looking for you guys. Essentially, I think Nick is going to come away being like, I hated this chapter. This, in my mind, is the best chapter of Kagurabachi yet. Uh, so Chihiro grabs up Char and tries to run away. Uh, the sorcerer is still after them. Uh, but while he's running, uh, Chihiro uses the black ability of his sword, cuts through a bunch of them as they're fleeing. Uh, but he's like, but he sees them just start to like kind of like turn the motion, flow back up, and he's like, shit, they're not dying when I cut them down. Uh, clone guy is like, I have witnessed the power of the enchanted blades in battle. They had the power to end that hell on Earth. Uh, apparently, however, not all six swords have such great powers. Or perhaps this one's wielder is merely still immature. Uh, they start to swarm in towards him again, and Shihiro has to try and fight them off while they're all lunging towards him, all trying to also grab for Char as well. Uh, and as he is being attacked, he just thinks back to, you know, like a memory of his dad. Uh, and there is a kind of cool moment, but it's a little bit cluttered, unfortunately, on this page where he just thinks about them, like spending time together and then his dad being dead and them being together, him being him standing over his dad's corpse, him them being together, him standing over his dad's corpse. Like he's just centered on it all at once and afterwards he realizes that he was under the effect of this other sorcerer's attack I think they look a little too similar they're dressed differently but their hair looks very similar to me but he cast some sort of like mental fit. He he shar- he mung- he mangekyo sharangaran him. Uh-huh. He he made him experience some sort of illusion that to the point that he lost track of time. 
uh, when in reality, outside of it, Chihiro only was under it for four seconds. Uh, and so they've also snatched Char away as well. Uh, and uh, this new guy says, like, oh, yeah, I specialize in psychological induction. I can, when I'm close enough, I can call up people's trauma. Uh, so they're like, all right, this is the last surviving Kyonagi. Referring to Char. We're going to eat her? And the other guy's like, no. No. That, that stuff about eating the flesh of the Kyonagi is, is just nonsense. So what do we want with this kid? And uh, they start to, like, grab onto her leg. And uh, one of them says, the rumors were born out of this truth. And her leg starts, like, pulsating and bulging and bleeding. Uh, and then it goes away. Her leg's covered in blood, but it's healed. And Illusion Guy says the Kyunagi clan does have special powers. And Sojo wants to make use of this somehow. This kid won't have a peaceful life for some time. Uh, and uh, so then he's like, all right, oh, I should take this sword from this guy. Uh, and uh, he takes the sword. Chihiro lunges at him with a backup sword, you know, a, a smaller blade, a wakizashi. And the guy's like, wait, how can you move? And Chihiro says, that day is what drives me. You just made the reason clearer. That line actually did eat. I was like, damn, all right. You actually look kind of cool after that. Out of all the one-liners that we've gotten this week, thus far, yes, that is the best. (laughs) Uh, He cuts off the guy's head. And um, that one seems to stick. Yeah, I, I, I do like how it's just like you see the head go and it's like a background shot and you can see it like in the background just shooting upwards. He starts tearing his way through clone guy, uh, slashing through him, slashing through him. One of them still has Char in hand, and he's like, hey, if you want the kid to live here, and Chihiro has, like, cut through him before he's even spoken the sentence. He cuts through the guy's head and his arm in multiple places before he can harm Char at all. Uh, So, yeah, those guys are dead. Uh, and he realized, like, okay, so they're after Char because of her special powers. And also, he says to Char, you didn't want to tell me because you were afraid that I would take advantage of them. But just then, earlier, you were about to tell me because you thought you might be able to trust me. Uh, and then her stomach gurgles again. Uh, and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you threw up all your food before. Hey, here, you can have mine. Um, it got a little squished. Uh, and he apologizes for what you went through, but she says, it's okay. And that's just kind of it. So I guess she's okay with trauma as long as she gets her food. Yeah, uh, I like this. I thought the action was really cool. There were some really nice visuals. I love these guys getting cut apart. I love the panel of like a bunch of them diving at him. And like, I didn't even pick it out at first. But yeah, another sorcerer jumping in there to touch him uh, and activate his spell. I also like that moment where he's just like, how long was that? Like, how many hours just went by? And the dude's like, four seconds. (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> that's it. Uh, so there's cool stuff. I, I just think it was, it was like entertaining. I was Kuguratained, as the kids say. They're all, yeah, yeah they're going nuts for it. Uh, I did not dislike it. Didn't really care too much for it, but whatever. Uh, I did appreciate that we got to the point of like, okay, Char is clearly going to be a character that is going to be sticking around, and this is good justification for that. It's not just that 
you know, Chihira can dump her off somewhere where she'll be taken care of because her, she is going to be hunted by evil organizations. So she needs to constantly be protected uh, in Chihiro's company. Uh, the stuff that we started off with her was good enough for like, you know, a short story at the beginning. If she's going to stick around, there needs to be further reason behind that. This elaborated on that quite quickly. Uh, and yeah, it's it's very straightforward. It's like, oh, it's because she's got special blood and stuff. But it, it's, it works. Um, All right, Nick. Yes. Enough of that. Let's talk about my manga. Right. Uh, chapter 23, New Sexorcist. Or as it's also called, New A's Exorcist. No. It's New Sexorcist. The tattoo on my back says so. All right. All right. Chapter 23. Then there's a big frowny face underneath it. Chapter 23. New Scan did eight. So this new new A's candidate. New new scan did never mind. So new <laughs> I, A both me and Gakuro were confused. <laughs> like, what? Uh new A has just in barged into the captain's meeting uh, at the high school and basically said like hey Gakuro should be the new captain also on the color page we see like that somehow Koga fell over while this was happening mm-hmm. I don't know how but it did apparently because the door so, was being opened very quickly and she I was guess. probably maybe trying to listen in oh hold on. let me let me start giving you some behind the scenes so all right all um right. I was just terrified here. My nose started bleeding. Actually, that that wasn't a character choice. I actually started bleeding right there. So, um, I suffer for my art and my existence. There's okay. a lot of suffering with Gakuro. I, I always kind of suspected, it, but it's nice to have the confirmation. Thank you for that uh, that inside scoop. It's good. So Gakura realized, like, oh, I've got a heavy burden. Why do you make my me? voice sound like that? No reason. So <laughs> <laughs> why don't you make my voice sound cool and muscular? All right, I'll try. Why'd you have to say something like that? <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. All right. Uh, so there's a flashback to Nui actually like filling in Gakura on what she's planning on doing. And, like, saying why they're doing this, which is a little bit weird because it still seems like he's being completely caught off guard by everything. Whatever. Uh, yeah, so Nui's goal is to defeat the other five Hyo, and that's why she gave Gakuro her power. Uh, and when Gakuro learns about this, my whole body constricted when I found out. I was really unsure of whether I could help Nui, but if it means saving, but it means saving Fujino and everyone else. I have to do better. Now, uh, the reason that shot was on my pelvis is because in that moment, I was considering channeling my good classmate, Piss Man, and considering <laughs> pissing myself out of fear. Uh, but I couldn't get anything to come out. I was very pee shy that day. So I guess they just decided to leave that shot in. Okay. Well, I'm glad uh, that they gave you the opportunity to uh, try something out, though. And fail. Yep. <laughs> so Nui establishes, like, I have to be the first Hyo resurrected, which means I need Gakuro to obtain a certain power. First, I need Gakuro to become an Elimination Squad captain. And everyone was like, what? Uh, because the power that she needs him to get is within Exorcist HQ. And Kuro's like, 
yeah, you can't do that because captains are super strong and stuff. Uh, and we get a I graph. Say, we get a pyramid graph. I'm gonna ignore it. Uh, Nui, <laughs> <laughs> Nui says there's another option though. You could be nominated by a captain during a captain's assembly. I heard you can become one under special circumstances, but without the need of the normal requirements. They're like, well, there's no chance they'd select him. Plus, those meetings only happen in times of emergency, like when a captain's been killed. There's currently no reason to hold one. And Nui's like, no, they already are holding one. And it's at this school. And there's another reason why, which is the addition of another Hyo. It's like, but we... She predicted all of this, Nick. It's cool. But, but we learned all of this last chapter. <laughs> Yeah, but these characters don't know this. We have to explain it. So they have to select a sixth captain very urgently. Moro realizes, ah, shit. I took all precautions to prevent our bow from being detected, but because Nui unleashed so much power, she must have broken through my precautions, so they sensed it and sensed her awakening. So she actually, this was actually all part of her plan. She's crazy. So... In the present, uh, Nui's like, yeah, how about it? And one of the captains goes, I mean, I'd never imagine a Hyo sending out a clone to nominate her own manager. So that breath there's your medium, right? Interesting idea. Give us an explanation then. And Nui's like, I don't have an explanation. Because I only came here under Gakuro's orders. So she didn't tell Gakuro that she was going to. <laughs> she told him everything else. And then didn't tell him, by the way, this is how we're going to play this. <laughs> no, Nick, it's very good. You see, the important to, part to the scene is she knows I'm a goober idiot. <laughs> and if she didn't tell me anything, I would just ramble about nonsense. And the only thing they could trust is my rambling nonsense. Otherwise, it sounds like it would have been a trick from the Kyo. I, I guess that Gakuro... It's genius. You know- he could because he immediately goes, No, that's not the case. Uh, no, then Nui is like, Oh no, he's saying otherwise, but it's true. Plus, that Moriyoki Fujino guy, who's a former Elimination Squad captain, apparently, yeah, he tried to attack us today. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, he was no match for Master Gakuro. Oh, you don't believe it? Come on in, Shiroha, bring in the POW cart and. Shiroha has a little cart that they've got the chair that Moro's tied up in there, and Moro's not muzzled or gagged in any way. He's just kind of like sitting there looking. This is the one thing I don't get. I don't get why he doesn't say that's not what happened. I don't get it. (laughs) I was was like, he kind of established. He's like, I can't do anything because like I'm out of power, so I can't stop you. But he also established, he's like, I am going to work against you. So I don't understand why yeah. it's not like they're lying. It was her. She was the one. I, he's not that yeah. strong. Yeah. So Nui's like, yeah, he tr- came to try and kill my master's friend. And he didn't allow that. He one shot at him and then said this. If this is the strength of a... Vo- hang on. Let me do... Hang on. Uh, let me do like Nui voice. Now Nui doing Gakuro voice. Okay. If this is the strength of a former captain, then I could be one too. Yo, Nue, let's go reveal ourselves and crash the captain's assembly. Oh, wow, you're really good at doing Nue's voice. (laughs) 
so Gakra's like, why are you doing that? And she's like, yeah, this is the best chance of us succeeding at this. It'll work out somehow. Trust me. Uh, one of the captains goes, I've heard enough. And she axe kicks the desk and says, you got some big balls, you little bastard. I'll freaking kill you. Ah, ah, why? Yeah. Then she grabs Gakuro by the head and says, you command one of the Hyo? That's fun and amazing. But then tell me one thing. Did you know that the Hyo are the enemies of all humans? That's who you're commanding. You must have some power to control Nui, right? Show me. Here. Now. And Gakuro is like, but I don't have any power to do that. I can't do this, Nui. Turns to look over. And she's just making a fucking thumbs up, not helping at all. <laughs> just throwing him to the wolves. So the other captains, meanwhile, are just like, yeah, this is kind of funny. It's like, do you not understand the claims that the Hyo has just made about this guy? <laughs> uh, uh, they're just like all watching this other captain do stuff. And one of them is like, ah, she is entertaining Nui's farce. And targeting the boy. Is she trying to find out Nui's true motives and revealing herself to us? I don't know. Maybe she's just crazy. Maybe you're all stupid. I, <laughs> so she's like, all right. How about a new question? I guess. Gave up on getting Gakura to answer the other one. How did you win over Nui? Tell us about that. And Gakura's like, oh, it's not like that. Oh, well, how did you two get along? Tell us. And they're like, ah, this will be interesting. Why didn't Nui forge a contract with the boy? And Gari's like, if you lie, I'll kill you. And Gakuro's like, we played... Sorry. Sorry, Gakuro. We played video games. Oh, hold on. You're putting a little too much testosterone in that voice. Pull it back a little bit. We played video games. There we go. Right on on the money. (laughs) So, of course, Gari's like, wait, what? Yeah, she hadn't seen anyone for many decades and was happy to have my company when I came to her. We played a bunch of games. And Igari amazingly says, Where's your proof? Which... This is my Pokemon deck. (laughs) Yep. This is my card deck from what I dueled against Newey. They're like, oh... And the old, the older captain's like, "Oh, I've been pestered to play this, but my grandchild, you should teach me to play later." And oh, I'm not good at explaining things, but I'll do my like. He has to act pathetic even in that moment. Like, oh, I'm not good at dicks talking about things, but I'll try. And then Nui's like, "You know what? Why don't we just play now, and I'll teach you as we play." And they just start playing cards. And Igari's like, huh, maybe she actually is friendly. I guess I will hear you out for a second. Tell us about your goal, Nui. This is wild. I <laughs> These are the most easily swayed people in the world. Like, we have to stop the sixth Hyo who has awakened at this school. And she has come across all six of us most strongest members of the anti-spirit core tasked with protecting the world against people just like her oh apparently she serves this one very obviously not powerful guy and is obviously lying but let's hear them out 
oh, they want to play a game. Let's play a game. Yeah, everyone just what? goes along with everything. Uh, this plan is flawless uh, and has absolutely nothing that uh, would interfere. Uh, yeah, it's um, bad. Again, I'm not sure why a POW guy doesn't just say something like this is not how things are going. They're misleading you or anything like it's all just very dopey. Uh, but hey, you know, we have girl Pachi now and, you know, people are probably super <laughs> excited about that. Um, 10 out of 10 chapter, Nick. Well, I don't know what else you could possibly want. I mean, I was waiting for terrible shit like this to happen in New Sex Resist again. So I'm, I'm happy. All right, Nick, do you want to try some speed skating I'll emphasis on the speed? Let's figure speed skate. It's two on ice, chapter five, separate paths. Honestly, the whole thing between Takun and Kisara is very simple. Uh, Kisara, you know, really looked up to figure skaters, wanted to be a figure skater and stuff. And uh, Takun was like her role model. He was four years older than her. Really, really impressive. And she was not a match for his skill. Uh, and uh, apparently she was really frustrated with herself because she couldn't match him no matter how hard she tried, and then eventually Takun comes over to her and is like, hey, look, I've only... Uh, he told me that... Because Kisara's like, he told me I only have a few more years in the spotlight, basically, because female figure skaters' careers tend to be much shorter than guys. And Takun said, that must have been hard to hear. Just literally cupped her face and like brushed her tears away and said... If only you'd been born a boy, Key, which is the best thing to say to a child who is upset at the sex they were born with because of what it means for the rest of their life going forward. Yay! <laughs> so, this story, in my mind, is now a trans allegory. It, it could be, yes. <laughs> uh, and then he followed up with, I prompt with, ah, ha, ha, I'm only kidding. But Kisara to herself uh, is thinking, like, I promised that I'd never say it. And then while I couldn't stop crying, he just tasseled my hair and told me all about pears, like he was reading me a picture book. You know, really talked down to me. Uh, <laughs> and But she learned about pear skating and realized, like, oh, like, I could, like, occupy this world. And was she, she essentially was given a new hope in figure skating because, like, maybe she could find what she wanted to do in pears. And it turned out he was right, even though she didn't want that to be the case. It was a curse, but it also saved me. And then at the end of fifth grade, she was hesitating about whether or not to make the switch from singles to pairs. And then she ended up, Takun ended up relocating, left her behind. And our coach and the rest of the club went to the airport and saw him off. Uh, and when she saw him off, she was like, I'm not a boy, so I can't actually compete with you. So don't forget me when you're gone. And Takun told her like, hey we could compete together in pairs. Uh, and we finally see Takun's face for the first time as he's like giving her these parting words. Uh, Cause Kisara said, asked, are you doing pairs? And he backed away from her. He said, I will be once I've finished preparing. And that was the words he left her with. So Kisara, in acknowledgement of that, decides she wants to switch to pairs. In the present, she's relaying all this to Hayuma and says, look, if you put all the time and effort in you've got the talent you could go for the top of men's single Sayuma of course he doesn't want to hear about this he's like really excited to just pair up with her instead mm -hmm. and Kisara says look I think I finally understand how my coach felt because there's value in pursuing singles 
I got kicked out by my coach at the end of the fifth grade. And not only that, she basically got blackballed from figure skating uh-huh. because she was adamant about wanting to do pairs to fulfill that dream of of competing alongside Takun. Uh, literally, everyone was she, her coach told everyone, "Don't associate with her until she gets over this whole pairs thing." Uh, and yeah, like uh, people are like, "Yeah, this is what happened. She was this very talented prodigy. That's why she suddenly disappeared from skating's because." No new coach would take her in after that uh, because there was that very influential person telling everyone to stay away from her and stuff. Uh, So Kisara says that she's bringing this up, all this up, including Hayuma's prospective singles career to him because, look, I wasn't given a choice by my coach and I want you to have that choice. Uh, Because Hayuma's like, isn't your only option to pair up with me and compete without being part of a club and she's like yeah but I need you to have that choice I don't want you to feel obligated to do it I think you should learn about the male skaters world pairs and singles after you experience both then you can decide I'm not going to take your choices from you Uh, so you know he's blown away by this but he does agree to it he is offered the chance he is he asks if he can perform to the same song to Lestrada, and they're like yeah you can do that and so now Haima's at a crossroads and so is kisara as a result of that uh and yeah that the note that we're left with is i'll walk this road alone after we walked it together and after performing both then i'll choose the path i want to take and we get this very big two-page spread of the two of them standing at the crossroads with Kisara now separated from Hayuma a little bit. So uh, very pretty straightforward explanation of stuff that's going on. Um, it definitely feels like the series is, yes, already in fast forward to have dropped this uh, and just given us the full explanation of what's going on with Kisara. I am admittedly not very excited to see that men's singles performance because no. it feels like the entire thing, the, the series is called Two on Ice. <laughs> it would be uh, wild if he was like, yeah, actually, I think singles is where I'm going to stick for now. <laughs> I desperately hope that the singles thing lasts like three chapters, because if this series ends and we never get to see them do proper paired single paired skating where they actually do moves together instead of just doing them side by side i'm going to be upset because it's like that's what you said you were going to do (laughs) that we're going on what feels like a a a deviation from that and getting away from that focus yeah um i'll keep my thoughts short this is not my favorite chapter i did have to like look up uh, what like gold medalist ages were and like they are right that like most of them tend to be pretty young uh, and there is a significant jump when you get to like paired skating so like there's something interesting there but there's also one of those moments where it's like i don't know sometimes isn't like the point of like shonen sports manga to be like i'm going to defy the expectation yeah like hinata and Senna are really short you know shorter than their positions usually would be but they are going to prove against it and I was like, okay, like, I kind of wish this was just a story about Kisara being told that being a woman meant she wouldn't be able to be able to compete that long. And her being like, no, fuck you. I'm actually going to be better than everyone says or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's good that another man has come along to be her savior. Anyway, 
The Elusive Samurai, Chapter 130, Kamakura 1337. Hey, it's the aftermath of the battle between Hojo and uh, all of uh, you know Ianaga's forces. Uh, they leave, of course, Ianaga's forces do, and we just get the aftermath of that. They've taken the Tsukimoto Castle. Now they get to go to Kamakura. Hooray! Hey, Sheena, do we owe this victory to you? If you hadn't stopped Nagao, they would have annihilated us. Yeah, remember when that whole chapter was about her saving the day? That's what happened. That's what happened. Oh. That's what happened. Don't, don't go back and check. That's what happened. Uh, and uh, Tokyuki goes to attend to his uncle, who is immediately like doing better. He's obviously very beaten up. He still looks emaciated, and he's got wounds over his body and stuff. But like he's conscious and reacting to people and it's like sitting up and as he talks with uh tokyuki you know the like words start to appear on his forehead again so he's 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 gonna be okay it seems like uh tokyuki's like oh thank you lord akie is it yeah yeah it's all thanks to akie cool and akie does cool stuff and poses and stuff anyway we cut away from there uh ianaga's uh plan do in fact work because Uesugi is able to continue to gain favor with uh, with Ashikaga because of the sacrifice the Naga has made for them. <coughs> Uesugi makes sure that Ashi that Takauji Ashikaga's son, uh, you know, writes a letter to make you know give them favor and stuff like that. <coughs> but you know, he's still left thinking about like you know the fact that hey. Inaga's gone, and you know he had bonded with him over the time that they had spent together and stuff. And he also reads, you know, a note from him saying, "Like, hey, I eagerly await your completion of the strongest warrior from the underworld. I await." So it's it's kind of a nice little note of like Uesugi should being shown to be like human that Uh this affects him (laughs) because he's just the mad scientist guy. Otherwise, Uh, meanwhile. A uh, letter reaches the emperor, uh, uh, or, or rather, word has reached the emperor, and he gives a letter to Akie's father because Akie is very important. And we need to also know his family. And uh, they say, like, they establish, like, yeah, the Northern Court still doesn't know that Tokyuki lives. And the emperor's like, ha ha, fuck that Tokyuki guy. This will fuck him up. Uh, we cut over to Kyo. 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 Uh, where Takauji is talking with some brown noser uh, who is like, oh, you're so great. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, everyone speaks highly of you. Uh, the masses speak of Nakasendai, but you are better. And Takauji's like, what'd you say? Oh, yeah, the Hojo boy is alive and has joined the Southern Court. I have a copy of his capitulation here. Oh, you didn't know? Well, it doesn't matter anyway, so I didn't think there was any reason to tell you. <laughs> and... Takauji puts his arms around the guy while still holding the letter and starts bear hugging him and squeezes him and he eventually squeezes him so hard that he also bends him over in half and explodes him. (laughs) So the guy's dead. Yeah. And Takauji's pissed off because he's just realized that Tokyuki is indeed alive. Uh, and then immediately one of his handlers comes over and is like, you're going to be late for a poetry meeting. Oh, I've got to go. He's fine. You know, because he's like crazy and half demon possessed and stuff. Anyway, Tokyuki is returning to Kamakura again. Goodbye. Yeah, uh, a lot of this stuff we've kind of gotten before. We've seen Tokyuji kill somebody because he gets news he doesn't like uh, before. 
Um, we've seen a great many Akiye speeches, so um, it's all fine. Nothing, nothing to really say there. Let's wrap this up with Akane Banashi. Story 83, Chohan Dice. Uh, so Chocho has said that uh, he will only hear other requests that Karashi and Akane have brought to him uh, if, they've, if they play Chohan first, which is a game in which players guess if the sum of two dice will be odd or even. Uh, so he has given each of them seed money, 10 cards, and they're going to bet their cards on Cho or Han. There is no betting restriction. They're allowed to pass and not bet on each round. Uh, if they guess right, then they double whatever they have bet. If they guess wrong, then they lose their bet. The game's going to last five rounds. The player with the most cards at the end will be the winner. Uh, and also, if you run out of cards, you're done. Uh, so uh, he uh, has Akane and Karashi and the other Zenza, whose name I haven't memorized yet because he's just honestly just been an extra for, for, for everything. Yeah, I think so you're far. fine not remembering this dude's name. I'll get it if he ever starts doing anything important. Uh, but uh, he's like, all right, all you get on one side of the table, Asa, Asa, you come and sit by where Akane was sitting next to me. Place your bets. And uh, Akane is me like, I'm going to pass this round. Uh, Karashi starts off with one, and the other guy goes two. And uh, Karashi is betting Han, which is odd. The other guy is betting on Cho, which is even. Cho Cho rolls the dice in a little bowl. And he's like, all right, show him the numbers. And Asagao takes out the dice, and it's two and a four, total of six. It's even, which means the Karashi loses his bet. Unun! There's his name. It's there right is. there. Unun. There it is. Everyone loves Unun, he, Nick. Yeah, he's doing great. Everything's going great now. He's he's got he's gotten he's two up. Hoo-hoo. Uh things so are looking the, up for Unun. Yeah, it's great. So then then he's like, all right, now is the time to get aggressive. I bet. Four cards on Han. Karashi bets one on Han. Akane passes again. It's Cho again. Six and a six. Ooh, boxcars. It's 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 even. So Unun, uh, you lost it. You lost your your lead immediately, and so did Karashi. So he's like, all right, I'll play it safe next time. He bets one card on Cho. So even. Karashi bets Cho. Three three cards on Cho. Akane passes again. Uh-huh. So uh, Unun. He wins this one. He gets he gets two cards back, and he's like, "All right, I think I'm getting it now. I think I've got the flow. It's been it's been show. It's been even three straight times." Uh, Akane passes. Karashi, it's one card. Unun says, "I'm betting it now. Eight cards on Han. It's been even three straight times. The chance of four straight evens is only six percent. I gotta take my chances. This is not how probabilities work. Don't do this. Is <laughs> The same every time. This is pattern recognition. It kills people. Don't do it. So they roll the dice. It's Cho again. It's six and a four. Unun loses eight cards in one fell swoop. Karashi only loses one. Akane has not bet this entire time. Uh, and they're like, shit. It, the, the odds of this happening, six straight, four straight evens. It's ridiculous. No. Uh, and Chocho's like, oh, man, I'm rolling up a storm. Hitting every number I want, and Unan realizes, oh, I'm in deep shit because I'm up against the born gambler, Chocho. And so Chocho is looking really ominous. He's like, this is the last one. This is the fifth round. Place your bets. So <laughs> Unun's like, it can't be five straight, Chocho. <laughs> it, it can't 
can't be. It can't possibly be. Yeah. So he bets one. He's not rolling to bet his last two remaining, even though, honestly, what is he going to I was going to say he doesn't. First and foremost, he doesn't care about the results of this. He is not going to study anything this. from this. <laughs> but right. yeah, it's just like, I mean, it doesn't matter. You're, you can't win anyway yeah. unless they all bet and. All fuck up, yeah. So he bets one card on Han, and Akana goes, okay. All my cards on Cho. It's been even Cho for four straight hands. She's betting on it again. So Chocho says, oh, first you're quiet, now you're huge, huh? And it kind of says, yeah, nibbling's way is just not my style. Are you sure? Guess wrong. It's all over. And it kind of says, I'm fine. I figured out your trick. All it took was a little thinking to figure out. It's no wonder all your roles were Cho. We're talking about Chocho Kanjakute, so everything is Chocho. This is this is the logic I used. I was like, yes, she's correct because obviously his name's Chocho. He'd pick Cho. It's gotta be Cho. <laughs> so both Karachi and Nuru are like, because it's fuck, it's a pun. That's it. That's all. So Chocho says, oh, Chocho rolls Cho, huh? That's a very interesting idea. <laughs> uh, so he reaches for the dice to roll. But Karashi says, look, can we just call it now? I know what the outcome's going to be, whether you roll or not. And Kai's like, huh? What are you talking about? And Chocha says, I didn't hear your bet yet. What's the call? And he says, nine on show. And Karashi just tosses the dice out on the table this time. He says, you win. And since they're not in the bowl, they're on the table now. They're able to realize, wait a second. All the sides of the dice are two, four, or six, all evens, which means it can't possibly be an odd result. So Chocho asks Karashi, like, how would you figure it out? And Karashi says, yeah, I was certain after the last round, because not only were all the results even, every single individual die was even, too. The chances of that are 0.004% with regular dice. There's no way that could be the case. Also... You're someone who normally carries dice around and you changed the you, you would have changed the dice to place the game. You, you did very board. obvious cheating you, things. You obviously cheated and you told a story about cheating at dice. <laughs> like so. So it's it, it had to be bloated somehow. And so Church is like, yeah, perfect. Yes, this is a raid game. I did it to gauge your metal uh, to test your nature. The outcome doesn't matter to me. And it kind of is like well, then why do we play Cho Han? And Chocho says, well, my personal theory is that tense, thrilling competition draws out a person's true nature. The calmness and smarts to see the winning path based on limited information. And you, Akane, though your logic was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says, it took spirit to bet on a gut feeling. Oh, it was a smart decision. She was right. You can't call her dumb. <laughs> So he says, I like both your spirits. You pass. I'll teach both of you. And Akane turns to Karashi like, yeah. And she's like, no, no high fives. <laughs> we are not the same. <laughs> and Unun's like, master, what about me? And he's like, you were a little too naive for your own good. But that's part of your appeal. You're fine the way you are. Un, un. <laughs> so uh, he says, like, yes, I will teach you. But I'm a really busy guy. So... Uh, you guys are going to focus on Asa's study event for right now. 
and then we'll handle this later. And then he said, then Asagawa was like, oh, oh, did you get that last second job lined up or something? But Church was like, no, 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 no. With all that talk about your big Futasume debut, I had an idea. I'm going to go and have a little talk with him. Mm. It's a fucking fantastic chapter. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's got good stuff in it. I love the buildup. I love the very different reveals to, of course, draw the contrast between Karashi and Akane. And I love that our hero is the one who just has the very stupid logic that ends up being 100% right. It's like, your name's Jojo. Of course, it's going to be Joe. <laughs> Again, that was my logic, too. So I can't falter. Um, good chapter. Good time. Let's wrap this up. That is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap, everybody. Let's go over our favorites for this week. Tell me, Quinn, or Gakuro, uh, whoever, what was the best chapter this yeah. week? Uh, my favorite series this week was New Sexorcist, and my favorite character was Gakuro. Uh, that's not right. I was the best character. How about, how about Undead Unluck and uh, Yugata? That's better. Uh, I'm going to partially echo that. I'm going to say that, yes, Yugata's definitely my character of the week because she was insane. Uh, but my favorite chapter was Akane Banashi. Uh, it was just the right pacing, just the right level of stupid. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, the audience, by the way, picked My Hero Academia as their chapter of the week and agreed about Yogata as the character of the week. All right. Awesome. That is going to do it for the show this week, everyone. Uh, happy Halloween to, to you all. If you want to have more spooky times, you can listen to all of our past episodes in which we talk about spooky things. Mm-hmm. And if you would like, if you'd like to hear more Gakuro, pay attention because there's going to be a bonus podcast featuring uh, mm-hmm. Gakuro uh, to some extent. It's a it's a WMR list. We're going to be doing Gakuro yeah. Uh So check out the WMR Patreon for that. patreoncom recap You can also check out our past episodes on WeeklyMangaRecap.podbean.com on YouTube at YouTube.com/WeeklyMangaRecap. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. All sorts of places. You can also join the Weekly Manga Recap Discord server via the link wherever you're listening to this. Uh, it is, we have a Google Doc that is accessible via there, maintained by Ninja X3i, where you can keep track of previous series we've taken as recommendations, check out stuff that people are suggesting we do now, uh, ask a question for us to answer in a Q&A episode in the future, all sorts of good stuff. We would also like to thank Milo Jack Stilts and Winston Del Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of the video version of Weekly Manga Recap. Steve Mann, who does occasional Tyler Card artwork for us. His artwork is uh, wherever you can find uh, Steve Man Art. is all that username, all one word. Uh, and we'd also uh, just like to thank you, the listener, for making this a wonderful spooktober, as usual. Uh-huh. Thank you so much. Now, of course, Nick, it's time to talk about what our next uh, recommendation is going to be. I think uh, Gawker is going to let us know. Well... I've heard rumor, I've never read it, I've heard rumor of a series that's really good, that has really good lore and, like, world-building elements that I've never heard of, and I need to establish that to lawyers. Never heard of. So, we're going to be reviewing a series I've never heard of before called Bleach. Never heard of. What, really? (laughs) Oh, have we done that before? I'm asking if you're serious. That's all. Have, have, have you talked about Bleach before? Um, 
maybe. Uh, oh, okay. We'll do Yu Hakusho instead. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that whoever made Bleach has never heard of Yu Hakusho. So. No. <laughs> All right, that's it. I don't. I don't have any more bit. This wig hurts. I'm out of here. Bye. Yeah.